Welcome back everybody to another episode of Yano No Ya. We've got a pretty big one for you today. With the recent release of Oppenheimer, then we are doing a Christopher Nolan-centered episode. So we talk about that director, as well as all 12 of his movies. So a lot of discussions, a lot of great discussions. So keep an eye out for the timestamps in the description of the episode if you want to jump to a certain point or avoid spoilers. And keep an eye out for the link trees in the description if you want to find our social medias, where to reach out to us, as well as the Patreon link or the link to the Anchor donate if you would like to support us in either of those ways then that would really help. It helps pay for the artwork for each episode. We always appreciate any help at all. And yeah, we hope that you enjoy this episode. So let's get into it. to a good start yeah well <laughs> good start welcome everybody Sec- second official episode and there's already tensions mm-hmm. the tension is high so how how are we doing this this evening slash afternoon slash morning uh you can go first keelan i think i'm getting sick oh yeah he's that's sick. how i'm feeling just, get, just feeling sick just been working it's it's been it's been a crazy crazy weekend with barbenheimer it's, it's it been, has been holy I mean, shit I, it's it's hell it is hell don't say that word to me <laughs> it's been hell for me too and we ha- we don't even have oppenheimer it's all just been barbie we sold out like three times two or three times yeah same here and we, we never sell out any screenings for anything and barbie's mm. done it for like four or five shows the past weekend it's just insane. it's crazy yeah oppenheimer sold out yeah. too i think so that's good but other than that yeah just feeling sick and working how about you liam me uh mm-hmm. it's seven twenty-three a.m and i'm very tired and i got like four hours sleep yeah i've just been miserable this past two weeks absolutely fucking miserable want to die but that's about it i won't go into any more detail but yeah i've had enough <laughs> <laughs> life just sucks it, it, it does it does I, I can completely relate yeah whatever that's my life stuff move on it's fine I don't want to talk about life here right now. <laughs> this is where we escape from life. Yeah, try to get away from it. <laughs> yeah, nothing's new with me. Just same old working, uh, just like Keelan. Barbie's making my life crazy, and that's not even my main <laughs> job. It's just my weekend job. But you can't even um, escape it, though, like when you go away from your job, right? Like, it's just everything. No, no, I can't even <laughs> escape it. It's on Every time I open Instagram, I see a big, I, all I see is pink. I just yeah. see pink this, pink that, like, freaking, I don't know. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, Liam, I mean, sh- briefly, I don't want to talk about it for that long. <laughs> it's fine. But you guys can have we, your we, thing. We, yeah, we can Liam just state our it. basic opinions on it. Yes. I guess before we get into that, though, we have to mention patrons, as yeah. always. Hell so yeah. Hell yeah. I'll start. Kath.reviews. Thank you, my girlfriend. Thanks, for Kath. Donating. <laughs> Thank you, Kath. Thanks, my girlfriend, Julia. <laughs> uh, moving underscore, underscore, underscore pictures. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you, Julia. Th- thank you to Sarah's popcorn chat. Not your thanks, girlfriend, Sarah. though. No. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for clarifying. <laughs> we, were, we had a pattern there for a second. Uh, thank you, 
Ardor film. Ardor film. Did I get it right this week? Yeah, thanks, Amy. <laughs> thanks to <laughs> Luna underscore 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 Pearl, my mother. Thanks, Liam's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, There's too many underscores in the patron names. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I know. Get it, get it sorted. I kind of hate underscores. So yeah, thanks yeah. the five patrons. Thanks, thanks patrons. You keep us going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you do. So yeah, we're skipping many topics this week because we have a jam-packed episode. I guess I can, I'll can. i let you guys know what we're talking about, even though you already heard it in the disclaimer. But yeah, we're talking about Nolan and his filmography, and then we're going to lead up to Oppenheimer because that's the reason we're doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I guess, yeah, what we've been watching, I do, we do, we'll do some of that. Relating to our last episode, I did watch the remake of 12 Angry Men directed by William Friedkin. Mm-hmm. Just because I, 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 the more we talked about that movie in that episode, I just had to check it out. And it's pretty good. Obviously, nowhere near the original. I mean, everyone knew that. But yeah, the only things that really save that for me is, is the casting. Like, like I said, George C. Scott as Lee J. Cobb is the most perfect casting ever. Do you think he's better than Lee J. Cobb? No, no, he can't. For that, I don't He's It's close. They're both so different. Like, George C. Scott is way rougher and just way more, like, abrasive feeling. Like, he's so, like, and that was a couple of years before his death, I think, that when he did that movie. It was one of his last movies. Um, so he was, like, really kind of old, but, like... I don't know. It's they're great in their own ways, but Jack Lemmon as Henry Fonda, that was also near perfect casting, but he was too old for the part at that time. He looks like Henry Fonda. Like if you look at a young Jack Lemmon, he looks like Henry Fonda kind of. So, they really nailed the look on some of the casting. Some of the other casting was kind of weird, I thought. Yeah, overall, I don't know, it was pretty good. It's literally just beat for beat a reenactment of the original movie like Mm -hmm. it's just there was really no point to it being made and it was made for television and it shows so anyway it was solid but yeah i didn't know that either until after watching it and you can feel it so it's it's worth checking out if you love 12 angry men i guess um i I guess like the best thing i watched recently was serial mom which is john waters movie Oh yeah, and it's 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 so fucking funny. It's 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 great. I, I have nothing but great things to say about it. It's just like a parody of like you know true crime things and all that, and it just goes to an insane degree. And it's fucking it's great. Fucking the the main woman in it, fucking Kathleen Turner, she's fucking excellent in it. <laughs> um, there's like great supporting bits as well from like Matthew Lillard and Ricky Lake and Sam Waterston. And they're they're all fucking great, and it's John Waters. I love his humor. I love his style, and I think it's probably his best movie overall, from what I've seen of him. Really, you'd say that? What have you seen from him? You've seen like everything, haven't you? No, I haven't seen everything. I still have to see like five or six of his films. I've seen Pink Flamingos, Cry Baby, Polyester, Serial Mom, Hairspray, and A Dirty Shame. The only one I've seen is Cry Baby. I've, I've not seen any of those, but I have seen Multiple Maniacs and Cecil, Cecil Be Demented. Yeah. Those are the only two I have seen. So I really want to see Pink Flamingos. I Of course, I want to see that. In, in, in terms of like how it's crafted, it's definitely his best. I don't know if I like it more than Pink Flamingos, because Pink Flamingos is a very, very special movie. Not for everyone, but I really enjoy it. 
and multiple maniacs like the ending of that movie i'm not going to say anything but it just goes so absurd it's insane well you both got to check out serial mom it's fucking hilarious i know i need to that's very funny love it 10 out of 10 it's another one of those like sad liam watches or whatever kind of things because like yeah it's there's been three movies that i've watched and one of them is a rewatch since 12 angry men and dog day afternoon wow so if we're gonna do two then i'll just get like my first which was a rewatch out of the way just the house that jack built again hell yeah um i think it's yeah, my I fifth saw that. i think that's my fifth time it's probably my fifth or sixth i don't know too we're about the same probably fifth i didn't know it was your fifth actually i think it's that's fourth or fifth but i'm like fairly certain it's fifth it's fucking great obviously like i know i I'm, it's so perfect i know you uh keelan i don't think agrees with us on this one no he doesn't it's per- fucking perfect man I, I i borderline hate it i've seen it twice look the thing about it is it's a very interesting movie but it doesn't completely hit the mark for me i've seen it twice i liked it a bit less the second time but i think i said mm. in my review when i watched it it's it's something that i can see myself re-watching again just because of how interesting it is and how much i love certain sections of it the second murder is fucking hysterical everything around <laughs> that is fucking perfect it is, it is. it's it's amazing. I, I know that you i remember you said you just love like all the bits with matt dylan like his all of his like sections in the movie where he's just like being jack rather than like narrating or whatever well yeah. like like even some of the some of the other sections and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like i don't really like the first one the hunting one was interesting the one with the woman like the simple yeah. i really don't like that one you really don't like the fourth it's just very boring <laughs> i didn't like it at all <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> not to me i am not Nobody literally jack wants to help. <laughs> yeah that's one of the funniest fucking lines in cinema history i thought it was non-stop <laughs> hilarious to be honest and like in the most dark but hilarious ways um, i mean there's like so much to latch on to with that movie like i completely get if you don't but like for the people that do like it's just there's something really special about it i think there is something special about it it is very interesting. It is a special movie, and I will probably rewatch it again at some point. And I think one of the best things about it is that I think it's one of the best paced two and a half hour movies ever made. Absolutely. Yeah. It flies by, sure. surprisingly. Yeah. Like, I, I, I almost hate the movie, but like, both times <laughs> I watched it, I didn't feel the length. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can move on before we cool. go on to <laughs> way <true>. too much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so me and Keelan saw barbie obviously not together at different times i like to think we saw it together sure why not we all saw it with the rest of the world and i am the one person who seems to hate it no, I there's a lot of people who fucking hate it i've seen but like, not a for lot the of... same reasons i feel like you know i feel like i hate it for different reasons than than them like it, it first i was feeling a two star two out of five then it dropped a half star then it dropped another half star because the more and more i thought about it I didn't enjoy anything about it. It's not like, for I just, you, I, was I guess. N- it's just not for me. It's <laughs> not, there was no moment in the theater to where I was actually having a good time. Like, I don't remember. The humor didn't work for me. The it, It's very cliche, in my opinion, and kind of annoying. And that just it's kind of cringe humor. And I it just didn't work for me. It just really didn't work for me. Keelan, counterpoint. <laughs> very funny. I really liked it. <laughs> like, I, I, I kind of expected, like you to not like it from like watching it because like it, mm. it's it's like very over the top and very campy and in that respect i don't think fucking Liam will like it either like fucking you know especially because of the meme 
Fuck you, Liam. Fuck you too. But, no um... chance I fucking like it. No chance I even watch no, it in the next year, no, honestly. But... I mean, I surprise myself sometimes with things I like, and like I love oh, yeah, Francis Ha. And you I did say last Lady time Bird. you did want to go in like not wanting yeah, to hate it. Yeah. So I was going in open-minded too. So like it just and I don't know, man. It just I so I was actually surprised at how much I didn't like it, as opposed to like surprised that you know the other way around. So no, I that's don't know. fair. Like like to me, it was like if the Lego Movie was made by John Waters, and that's why I loved it. <laughs> That would that sounds like an already way better movie, uh, but that's what the movie was to me. It felt yeah. like it, an amalgamation of those two things. And Does that make it good, Keelan? No. What makes what makes it good is the execution. I love pretty much everything about it, except there's a couple of moments that don't really work. There's a bit some bits of comedy that is it worthy of a nine out of ten? For me, it is. I really okay. enjoyed it. I personally had like a nine out of ten experience with it. I, I laughed a lot. Your had a lot of fun seeing it. No, you don't. Yeah, I do too. Fucking hate me. I'm very happy that it's very successful because it is like it's an IP movie, but it's everything is real apart from there's like a car chase in the middle, which was like very obvious. Obviously CGI, yeah. which is very distracting. But like the sets in like Barbie Land and stuff were fucking phenomenal. The I loved how it toyed with the way Barbie dolls are. You know, like they're all plastic. And there's like a bit <laughs> where like she has a waffle and she puts cream on top and the cream just slides on it. And I like those those little touches. They function as if yeah. you're playing with Barbie dolls, and I like that. The last act or so I think elevates it for me. I think I think Ken's arc is fucking hysterical. <laughs> I think it's so fucking funny. It's about like 10-15 minutes too long, I think. But what they do with both Ken and Barbie's characters, it was very interesting to me. I like most of the humor. Mara Robbie and Ryan Gosling were both excellent. I just really enjoyed Barbie. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will give credit to the, the costumes and the set design. That's what I said in my review was the only good things about it. But yeah, I, if the humor worked for me, but not, not, not even Gosling, though? Not even Gosling. There was a couple moments that made me laugh with him, but it the humor just kind of felt, to me, it felt like lazy humor. I don't know how to describe it. It was just the jokes felt very just kind of basic and forced to me. Like, I don't know. That's just, I don't know how to describe what I find funny, though. So it just didn't work for me. Humor suggests uh, subjective so like fucking yeah i think humor is the most subjective thing ever so i mean it oh, makes it sense yeah and then just like and yet again this is like the most touchiest part of it but like oh no um no like the uh the the met the whole the movie is ex what am i trying to say the whole movie seems dead set on just pushing this like extreme pro women feminist agenda which is totally fine that's all well and good like i'm all for gender equality everyone should be but it was done so basic and it was kind of just like it became it felt less and less like a real movie and more and more like i was being preached to by the writers or the director you know so it wasn't like, like saying it, it in a smart way or anything to me it just wasn't done clever it was extremely heavy-handed and it just felt like kind of shoved down my throat and like it, it didn't feel like these characters were saying this it felt like the studio and the writers and all them were saying this that type of thing mm -hmm. to where it took me out of it so if it was handled better i would have liked it more there's a lot of movies that handle those themes better but 
man, I, you, it, it was just felt like it was written for, it was dumbed down for kids to understand it. And it's and probably because it was, because I mean, it's a Barbie movie, so I don't know. I mean, I don't really know who the movie's for though. Like, it seems like it's for so many different people. So I don't know if it would be trying to like cater to kids or if it would be just trying to cater to everyone. I The only thing I agree with you on is it is heavy handed. I think the commentary is heavy handed and it is, you know, pro woman or whatever but it's also pro men ken's whole arc i i i've seen like lots of people being like oh it's feminist propaganda but it's it's not it's not to me anyway they went about both aspects of it smartly to me i don't think there's any way that they could have gotten around it being heavy-handed and i think what they did in the film is like the best they could have done and i don't think it was dumbed down for kids either because it's not a kids movie it's like explicitly not a kids movie i feel like it was catered towards it was trying to capture all the ages like from the adult women who did grow up with barbies to the young kids that are now those are passed down to them i feel like it was trying to ride that line between any age could enjoy this and it has been bringing in like all sorts of ages i mean i'm sure we've both oh, yeah. seen that working at a theater but like i didn't pick up on the pro men part i'm not gonna lie i did not see the pro men part maybe i'm just stupid i don't know or maybe i was just so annoyed by the movie it just i just i was kind of numb to everything i would say it's not for everybody but everybody seems to be enjoying it but i know that i'm not alone i guess like you said in you not liking it just before we move on, I have like one last watch because like I wanted to at least have one new watch for this episode. <laughs> so I watched On the Count of Three last night. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like 86 minutes or some shit. It's really short and it's really, really good. Really communicated a lot to me that kind of helps me in this moment of my life. But yeah, it's just like the dialogue is so fucking good. Like the sense of humor that it has, like along with like the actual serious messages, like it just blends together so perfectly. And the two actors mm. are like, fucking unreal just perfect for what they're supposed to be playing so i don't know i would highly recommend that if you want something that's like serious but funny and short like it's just and it's great acting so great movie Agreed. to watch it for 100 i gave i think i gave it five stars i watched it with kath when you guys were all here in september but we had yeah. like i think just like some time to ourselves we watched it and we both gave it five stars it is hilarious but also sad it's yeah. just all so it makes you feel a whole range of emotions it's so good but yeah, I guess if that's uh, all we've got for what we've been watching, we gotta jump into this this huge. I watched the Flash episode. and it fucking sucked. Didn't you do two already? He did, but he just had. Then move on, all right? Then and move I, on. You don't want to start <laughs> this. You don't want to start this. Keyword. No, but but yeah, we're like I said, we're talking about Christopher Nolan, his films. There's uh, what twelve of his movies? Yeah, I think yeah, twelve movies. I think we've all seen all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna go in order of release you know all of his films from his first to his last it's great that we've seen like i don't think we've done a director episode yet but like wh- like where we've seen all of them like we've all seen all of them right so this is yeah probably not this is good probably not that's true <laughs> this Hell is yeah. good but and it's i think it's the most films like out of our director episodes we've done too 12 yeah like, i don't know if we've well we did Shyamalan. how much did he have i think he I has think we more. only really talked about like 10 or so I thought he had like 10 or 11, I thought. Yeah, that we'd seen, but Something I like think that. like in terms of how many films oh. he has, I think he has more than Nolan. Maybe. Like, maybe by true. one or two. Before we get into his first movie, uh, I thought we could just give like, just talk quickly about the director himself, like mm-hmm. your just your overall thoughts on him. I think he's a god amongst men. <laughs> I, I, I love Nolan. I think Nolan is fantastic. He like, he does get kind of this like bad rep, I guess, because like, he's one of those like popular directors where it's like a lot of people would be like oh 
overrated. I guess I get it, but, like, the films themselves, like, they speak for themselves. Like, they are all so unique in their own way, I think. And he just has such mm-hmm. a great vision whenever he goes into a movie and, like, he puts his whole fucking nutsack into it and it's great. So, <laughs> I just, I love the guy. I think he's awesome and he mm-hmm. has a lot of passion for what he does. So, yeah, he's just a great director. I, I will follow up on that and agree completely. Like, he, for a long time, he was my favorite director. For a long time, one of his movies was my favorite movie of all time for years. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's extremely close to me. Almost all of his movies, to me, are basically perfect. I will admit, he he's not, like, a perfect... Like, I don't know if there is a perfect director, but, like, no. he definitely doesn't warrant all the criticism he gets. I think, like you said, it's popular. It's become popular to hate on what's popular, yeah. which is, like, really annoying. If you have genuine criticisms, like, that's totally fine, but I feel like a lot of people, they will, just to get attention, over-exaggerate their hate on, like, whatever is new and popular or just came out like Oppenheimer you know yeah yeah his writing maybe has flaws sometimes his characters maybe have flaws sometimes but like overall I I love almost all of his movies yeah he's just he's one of the best directors like period I'll Mm -hmm. I'll just say it you know he is I think Nolan is great I, I wouldn't consider him one of my favorite directors but I've loved a lot of his films and I'm very very glad that he exists he's like one of the last proper filmmakers that we have like he's the one of few people who can get like a fucking film like oppenheimer made a fucking three hour slow borderline art house film that was made for like a hundred million dollars he's the only one of the only few directors still living who could do that and i appreciate him for just that there are aspects of some of his films that we'll go into that don't completely work for me but there's a decent majority of them that i fucking adore and are special to me and I think he is a little overhated by kind of snobbish people who just kind of hate him because he's popular. Love Nolan. Love most of his movies. Very glad he exists. For sure. And he just rides that like fine line of like, like you said, I think. Just like kind of art house, artsy movies, but also big blockbusters. Like anybody can enjoy them. You know, they're not just like mindless blockbusters. They have like actual, just the technical things about it and the uh, substance to it. Like it's, he rides that fine line for me. Yeah, Um, he doesn't like, I mean, he doesn't make something like that just to be technically impressive or like whatever. He just mm -hmm. like, he, he needs it for the story. And that's why he does it. And that's why he puts so much effort into it because he wants to make it as real as possible. And I always admire that. And he's also like, this is quite a unique thing, I think, but he's got 12 movies and I'd give like nine of them a 10 out of 10. Same. Oh, which is crazy. I think literally same, which it, it is seems crazy, but I think it's literally nine of them are also 10 out of 10s for me, which is a lot. And I, I probably almost no other director has that for me, except for like maybe Tarantino and like a couple other people. He's earned it for me. I mean, I don't care. He, he's one of the main people that got me into movies like truly into movies so i yeah, have I think to he's love like him that for that for a lot of people our age i do love him for that as well the fact that he's kind of introduced our generation to like movies you know he's kind of taught us to seek out like other things you know he was one of those like main yeah. ones that i was like you know constantly like studying when i was like first getting into films properly i was just like yeah this guy's mm-hmm. this guy knows what he's doing it was like him david yeah. fincher those were the two yeah. main ones for me he's one of the best he has like such a love for movies and like a love for making everything look real which we'll definitely talk about when it comes to, like some of these movies and just no cgi like he's he's a prof- i think he's just a true he's like a purist of like 
you know, I want to show you the real deal. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. Getting into his first of 12 movies, following it is about, it's his debut movie, Bill, an idle, unemployed, aspiring writer, walks the crowded streets of London following randomly chosen strangers, seemingly innocent entertainment that becomes dangerous when he crosses paths with a mysterious character. Been a few years since I've seen it. I've seen this maybe three times and I actually love it way more than I should probably and way more than most people. It's it's probably his most like boring film to me. It, it's not like bad or anything like it's totally just serviceable but it's like really just yeah this is a good film. It's not great, it's not that impressive, but it is good, and I can watch it and enjoy it. But yeah, I don't really have like a ton to say about it, because I just don't think mm-hmm. it's like as impressive or it has that much to talk about as the rest of his movies. I, th- yeah. I think the most significant thing about it is the fact that it is Nolan's first movie. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's much that's very interesting about it. I, like, it's mm-hmm. been a good while since I've seen it, and I've forgotten most of it. But from what I remember, it is just Nolan testing the waters for what he's going to do in later films. Like, it kind of touches on all his hallmarks. Like, remember the score being fucking really overbearing? <laughs> yeah. And, you yeah. know, his, his you know, his knack for having characters who are, like, professionals or whatever. I mean, that's kind of what I like, though, about this, is that his character, the main character, is really not, like, a professional. I mean, he's kind of just, like, you know, because he, he fucks up, like, throughout the entire movie. He's just, like, some random kind of, I don't want to say loser, but, like, just a guy not really knowing what he's doing, just following people around, and then he kind of just gets like, I don't want to spoil anything, man. But to me, it seems very real, very flawed. So, and I also find the the story actually kind of interesting because it is so simple. It's not this, like, mm-hmm. grand concept like Nolan came to comes to do, you know? I love the simple premise and what he's able to do with it. It's only, like, 70 minutes. He messes with time in the movie, like, you know, time skipping, which is something that he does throughout his whole career. I like the noir, like, mystery element to it. For a debut, it is very fucking commendable, especially since it had, like, I think a £7,000 budget or something. And Nolan basically edited it by fucking fast-forwarding and rewinding, like, a VHS tape or something. <laughs> yeah. And he sh- they, like, they shot it on the we- only the weekends, like, when because they weren't working, working and, like, yeah. with their friends. Yeah, and, like, just with their friends or people they knew. Like, it was such... It was just so thrown together. Like, it, it, it does make complete sense that, like, someone would watch that and then let, you know, let him do whatever that he wanted for his next film because there is something there. And whoever fucking allowed him to do Memento for his very next film was fucking right yeah. and he became probably the biggest director of our generation but yeah i guess that's following <laughs> i i love it kind of embarrassed to share my score for it but i do have <laughs> this as a five out of five i do it is one of the five score. out of fives but that's just because i i just i really admire the you can tell he has a passion for like movies and trying to tell a story and like i i'm never bored throughout the movie i know it seems boring to a lot of people and it's really rough around the edges but i just love it kind of for what it is very good debut it's a good debut yeah i I think i'd give it like a five out of ten i i want to rewatch it someday just to see how i'd feel about it now but for when i watched it as like fucking 14 15 year old getting into nolan's films i found it kind of boring i remember being like at least interested and i was like pardon the pun i was following the story like as (laughs) well as i could and and stuff like that but i mean i would i would probably go for like a seven or an eight out of ten i don't really know it was still like something that kept my attention even though i don't think it's like as miraculous as some of his other movies but yeah Yeah. 
It's a good one. Moving on to Memento, which, yeah, came Ugh. out a couple years later. I know, it's so good. Fuck, it's good. Um, <laughs> Leonard Shelby is tracking down the man who raped and murdered his wife. The difficulty of locating his wife's killer, however, is compounded by the fact that he suffers from a rare, untreatable form of short-term memory loss. Although he can recall details of life before his accident, Leonard cannot remember what happened 15 minutes ago, where he's going, or why. Fuck, like, that That concept alone, man, like, that mm. is already, like, it's one of the most unique revenge movies, period. And I think it's one like, of his best I, characters I as well, honestly. Oh, for sure. How How is this your, like, second film as well? It's, yeah. it, it is, like, another one of those ones where it feels like it does, like, set up his kind of style in the future. Like, you see a lot of the, the trademarks of Memento still in his movies today. But, mm -hmm. like, with this one, he's so, like, unhinged with it, I guess. Like, he just yeah. takes chances and he, like, like, goes, yeah, I don't care if this scene doesn't, like, translate that well with this scene. It needs to be there and it needs to be that way, so I'm gonna fucking do it. Like, he just exactly. didn't give a fuck with this one, but he, like, did, obviously. <laughs> he, just, he just went all yeah. out and I fucking love it. Like, the story comes together so perfectly and the ending is, like, incredible. It's 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 fucking awesome. Like it's 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 another one I haven't seen in a while. I was gonna rewatch it before this, but fucking work and shit. It's such an interesting film just for the concept alone, just of it being literally told in reverse, and the fact that it works so fucking well. It's you know it's to be commended, and whoever did give him the money to do this after seeing fucking following, you know they knew what was up. They knew there was something yeah. special about this guy. It's the first movie of his that's like a total mindfuck. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I, totally. I, I'm, I'm sure like I didn't fucking understand it at all. Like the first time I fucking watched oh, it, me, I didn't. I definitely <laughs> didn't. I had to watch it multiple times to really fully wrap my head around every every viewing. Then I am picking up more and more. It's mm -hmm. it's a movie that I can come back to and come back to, and I'll always get something new out of it, or I'll wrap my head around it even more. It doesn't hold the audience's hand at all. Like it doesn't hold your hand while no, like guiding you through the story it just kind of you're just thrown into this like fucking like and it's not the first movie to do this you know like pulp fiction oh, yeah. was one of the first big movies to fuck around with the timeline so much just like the way he did it though with the black and white sequences and like oh just yeah. the way the story was, was kind of just heading in opposite directions at the same time i don't know it's just so unique because i feel like it's so well shot away, too i i think it has some of the best performances in any of his movies like the main three alone fucking guy pierce carrie ann moss and fucking joey yeah. pants like they're yeah. all fucking fantastic. Two oh. Matrix actors, which is oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Joe Pantoliano is like one of the most underrated actors ever. I love seeing him in things whenever he fucking pops He's up. He's so good. Like, I think I... this might be his best performance. I think it's either between this and Bound, which was like Wachowski's mm. first film. I think like, yeah, Guy Pearce is like fucking fantastic in this. And he's still one of my favorite performances in a Nolan film, honestly. I just, I absolutely mm -hmm. love how, like, his performance gets, like, so much more energy the more the film goes on. And I know it's, like, being told in reverse, but it feels like it's, like, that frustration is there a lot more, like, after the rape happens. So, later in the film, obviously. And then, like, in the start of the film, you see him a bit more, like, composed and stuff because it feels like he's starting to, like, pick things up more and all that. But, like, mm -hmm. you know, towards the end of the film, which is the beginning, obviously. <laughs> I know it's confusing. Yeah. But, like, when, when he just has that whole, like, scene where he's just like, you know, what the fuck do you want? And he's 
like, I want my fucking life back. And it's like, <laughs> I always get like chills whenever he says that. I'm like, oh my God. Because you just feel so bad for him, me... like the whole movie as well. You do, you really do. And because people keep using him and like, I'm not going to spoil obviously, but people just keep like taking advantage of him. And it's so yeah. frustrating. Another thing that gives me chills though, is I got to, you got to mention the soundtrack, especially in the black and white scenes mm-hmm. that just there's this like eerie fucking ominous music in the background during all the black and white scenes yeah. that it's just unlike anything else it just makes you feel so weird and uneasy i kind of miss when nolan was doing these like really grounded like dark psychological movies like like following memento you could, you could say insomnia shit like that i think it's perfect five stars it's a five star for me as well it's a nine out of ten. <laughs> oh come on now <laughs> i love it but it's Come a 9 on. out of 10. It's a 9 out of 10. <laughs> Alright, well, moving on to Insomnia. Two Los Angeles homicide detectives are dispatched to a northern town where the sun doesn't set to investigate the methodical murder of a local teen. Starring Al Pacino. Two Al Pacino episodes in a row. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, <laughs> appearances in a row, I guess. I'm not huge on Insomnia. I'm oh, really not. God, I thought it was boring as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... I wouldn't say it's like completely boring. I mean, it's but it is my least favorite. If I'm spoiling my ranking, it is my least favorite. Literally, like Nolan. the thing I always say about it is just that it feels like it could have been directed by anyone. It does not feel like a Nolan film exactly. at all. Some trademarks, but that's it. Like occasionally, there's a lot that's really, really good about it. I think mm-hmm. Pacino, Robin Williams, and Hilary Swank are all really, really good in it. I particularly love Hilary Swank's character. I think she's yeah. a, a very, very good character. She's just like a kind of a generic, you know, by the books cop who wants to kind of an overachiever who wants to just do good. And she fucking idolizes Al Pacino's character. And it's nice to see kind of an unraveling of her perception of Al Pacino's character. She's probably the best character in the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think so. Like Pacino and R- Williams are both great, and their scenes together are great. But I think the writing is really, really weak, and there are scenes that just go on and on, and it's just like, man, can you just get to the next scene already, please? Yeah. It's like two hours long. It feels like it could have been twenty or thirty minutes shorter. It is the Nolan movie I've seen the very least out of all of his movies, too. To where I I would have liked to rewatch it, so I would have had more to say about this one, but. I just never feel like sitting down and watching it, you know? That's the thing with it yeah. as well. Like, it lives up to the name. It makes you feel really tired when you watch it. <laughs> I didn't like, want to be the one Maybe to that say was it. his intention. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking sleep-inducing, honestly. Like, half the time. Like, it's not a terrible film or anything, but it's like just... There are these moments that are so fucking boring, and it's like, please just move on. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people call Nolan pretentious, and I feel like this is the only film that lives up to that. Because yeah. it does, it feels like it thinks it's a smarter film than it is. It's it's throwing in like unnecessary twists at times. Like there are I mean, some really fucking good scenes. Like anything. But to, like, yeah, not to be completely negative, I guess. Like if I was to say more good stuff about the movie, like I think the atmosphere is extremely well done. Like just the yeah. fact that yeah, the sun never sets. All the all like the really foggy, misty scenes. Like kind of when he's like chasing, you know. Uh, after him like just stuff like that kind of um the atmosphere i just that's the one thing i can really praise about it i I think it's kind of wasted the potential of a concept it is just a concept that feels really empty it's just kind of there for no real reason it doesn't serve any purpose to the actual story it's just like okay cool and to be fair 
to be fair, this is a remake of another movie starring I forgot that. Uh, Dylan Skarsgård. And it's probably it's the only remake in Nolan's filmography, which is worth mentioning, I guess. Is Dylan Skarsgård in Al Pacino's role? I think yeah. so. Fuck, I would totally watch sure. that. I started watching it's probably it, and I'm not, I, I kind of stopped it, but I couldn't Ooh. tell if I was liking it more or less. I, I couldn't tell. But it's definitely also a film that takes its time, so be prepared for that. Sorry, I'm, hey, I'm it's, validated. It's, it's I, 96 minutes, though. Yeah, that's oh, what I was going to say. It was yeah. 20 minutes shorter. Maybe I'm going to watch that. <laughs> Adding that to my watch list right now. Fuck you, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will stand by this movie probably more than I should just because it has that Nolan name attached. Like, I, if I, this was directed by some random guy, I probably wouldn't like it as much. And I know that that doesn't seem right, but I don't know. I just, I mean, I still enjoy the movie, but it's my least favorite of them. And you're right, it doesn't have all of his trademarks. And it, it just could have used more risks yeah. and, like, experimentation or something. I don't know. Strongest thing is probably the acting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. You gotta give it to Robin Williams, like, his performance, for sure. Like, that's something to take away he did like the exact same role better like the same year in fucking one hour photo that's true i haven't seen that yet that's a great movie i i i still give it a four out of five i mean i know it's high come on i do (laughs) i do it's i mean it's between a three and a half out of five actually and a four out of five i always bounce between them i'm a nolan fucking fanboy so i can't help it I am a Nolan fanboy too, but I'm not that far. Four out of ten. Oof. Given it a four out of ten. I, I originally rated it a five out of ten, but more I thought about it, less I liked it. I, I remember it, mm. like, it's following. I don't remember quite as well. I remember Insomnia pretty well. Probably gonna say, like, a six out of ten. Honestly, very mm. close to a five, though. It should be a one out of ten, Quinn. Go on, <laughs> give it to it. Nolan can't make a bad movie, though. I, I just don't think he can make a bad movie. He did, it's called Insomnia. <laughs> You're such a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to Batman Begins. Uh, Driven by tragedy, billionaire Bruce Wayne dedicates his life to uncovering and defeating the corruption that plagues his home, Gotham City. Unable to work within the system, he instead creates a new identity, a symbol of fear for the criminal underworld, the Batman. It's fitting because I think it's like the beginning of like a new phase in his uh career as a director yeah like he he, he kind of took a shift like from like those first three movies those first like really grounded gritty and like mystery movies to just big you know to like blockbuster i guess mm-hmm. you know oh yeah like this is like definitely a huge shift and it's definitely a huge undertaking especially since you know batman in everyone's minds was it was just fucking batman and robin now that completely killed any franchise potential for it for christopher nolan to fucking even take on the project it 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 says a lot about him as a filmmaker and about studios at the time because he definitely had a story to tell he changed superhero movies forever with batman begins he did yeah he did we would not like have most of the fucking superhero movies we have today without batman begins so that's something on its own to fucking give it so much credit for. Because there's lots of fucking superhero movies that try to be dark and brooding like the Dark Knight trilogy, especially this one. Very few of them have ever captured it like Nolan does in his Batman trilogy. Absolutely. Pretty. It's a pretty ballsy fucking move to make it be like the origin story of a ninja Batman. Which I guess, you know, it is what Batman is, but to introduce... You know, this fucking generation of audiences who would have thought of Batman as just like a random billionaire who, you know, has loads of gadgets and all that. To have like the first 
like what is a third of the movie him yeah. training with the fucking league of shadows and that's my favorite part of the movie is the first third up until he actually becomes like batman there's nothing quite like it and it's like very clear that he like really really cared about like telling this character's story rather than just making it like just about batman or whatever like he cared about bruce oh, yeah. wayne as a character and he really wanted to flesh him out and that's that's another thing to be commended because you know it was also a few years it was the year after spider-man 2 i think so mm. i think superhero movies were already seeing a huge resurgence and i think batman begins solidified superhero movies as you know you can make a good fucking superhero movie i do have flaws with it me too. i think in particular the action is really shit i think the action is awful in that <laughs> movie some of the action is not great yeah honestly I'm, I'm not gonna lie i think the action in the trilogy as a whole is a bit weak mm-hmm. right now for me oh yeah i agree I with agree. that and to me that's not necessarily like what i go to this trilogy for though so like no. i forgive it for that like i don't oh, yeah. think nolan's ever been that good at action choreography it's one of his like weak points i guess but Ooh. um i i go for the just the grand atmosphere the grand feeling and like you know grand scope of the movie that he can do with his stories and like everything else is elevated to where i don't care if the action's like kind of clumsy you know you've got to you've got to commend him though because like for this kind of trilogy as well like a lot of these characters like they they never feel like they're super heroes or super villains or anything like that they feel like they're just people and he really Mm -hmm. dedicates like a lot of time to making it feel as realistic as possible so that it works with those characters i think i I think that's also kind of like to the detriment of superhero movies in the future (laughs) A, a lot of superhero movies have tried to emulate that kind of thing where like you know they're not super and like their outfits are like fucking armor and shit i think it was a bad influence in that way it worked for batman begins it worked for dark knight but you know superhero movies should be fun fun and colorful and i think they're they're kind of missing that especially recently i think it kind of uh i don't know if that directly inspired iron man but i think iron man's the only other movie that tackled that well to where it's like grounded gritty kind of like a real person with no powers like that's the only other superhero movie along with the dark knight trilogy i can think of that executed it in such a good way um to where it felt like real people he changed he like turned the tides with like for the superhero genre with these movies i i think in terms of like we were talking about the action kind of being shitty i think the one scene where it works very fucking well is the doc scene which is like i think that was like his first real appearance as batman wasn't it yeah yeah that that scene fucking rocks but like the the third act is kind of a fucking mess like the fucking <laughs> scarecrow's is, plot to fucking it is, poison that's, the water yeah. supply <laughs> Yeah, it that's where it gets way too like it kind of takes me out of it because the whole movie up until that point did feel grounded, did feel real, and up once as soon as like he infects the entire city and people are just it's fucking chaos. I it kind of took me out of it. I mean, I love Scarecrow as a character, and I love all the abilities like in the Arkham games and shit, and in the animated series. Like, I think he's just such oh, a yeah. cool character, and like visually visually the things you do with scarecrow is awesome but nolan didn't really know how to do that here like there are a couple of like bits of imagery where it's like yeah this is cool but like it's not scarecrow like cool i think he was bogged down in the realism of it yeah i think he was just bogged too bogged down in trying to make the effects of scarecrow too realistic yeah that's what i mm. think too i like killian murphy as scarecrow i think but mm-hmm. he probably should have picked a better, a different villain to to try to do something yeah. realistic if he with, wanted to make it realistic that. yeah yeah 
but I, I do love that he's like one of the constants in the trilogy. He's like in every fucking <laughs> yeah, Batman yeah. Movie. Even though he's like two seconds in the in the Dark Knight, but yeah, I'll he's, take he's, it. He's the only one that shows up throughout each one. Yeah, I'll take it too. But I did like. I mean, I do like some of the effects he does with the Scarecrow, like how um, when he infects Scarecrow with his own gas, and then he's looking at Batman, and it's, he's like a fucking demon. Like he's his that does look his eyes cool. are just black. And, you know, his eyes are just black and he's like a, it's, it's terrifying, you know, like stuff like that I did, um, like, but it really does kind of fall apart at the ending for me. So I've seen it three or four times, I think, and I'm pretty comfortable giving it an eight out of 10. I've, I've seen this movie a fuck ton, but like, (laughs) yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm giving it an eight out of 10. Man, I feel too forgiving. I'm gonna give this shit a five out of five. I know it has flaws. I know it has flaws, but it it a film can hold a special place in my heart and like it, it changed the superhero genre. So I, I give it a five. But I still have the same amount of five out of fives as Liam, so I don't know which will differ on. <laughs> the prestige. A mysterious story of two magicians whose intense rivalry leads them on a lifelong battle for supremacy full of obsession, deceit, and jealousy with dangerous and deadly consequences. One of the best films ever made. Period. I would I would agree with that. Ever it fucking, fucking made. Pr- Prestige is a fucking masterpiece. Oh my it's god, amazing. it's good. Nolan's first masterpiece in my eyes. It's it's such a fucking clever movie, and it's just about two petty assholes just yeah. trying to one-up each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it shouldn't work as seriously as it does but it's so fucking dark and at points it goes into like gothic horror territory mm-hmm. which i fucking love about it christian bale and fucking hugh jackman i think it's pro- it might be my favorite performance from the two of them i think they're wow. both fucking phenomenal in it. oh my i fucking love the prestige dude I, I have top three hugh jackman and it's always like logan bad education in this and i'd never know mm. which is first because they're all just so fucking good like he's the highlight That's probably for my me. Top three as well. He's the big highlight for me. But like, yeah, Christian Bale is unreal. All the acting is just so good. Even fucking like Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, David Bowie, David Bowie, <laughs> David Bowie. And yeah. I completely forgot Bowie was in it. And I fucking yeah, he out plays Tesla. Out. It's awesome. <laughs> he's so fucking cool. Yeah. His like introduction his fucking, is his like fucking shot awesome. Is fucking yeah. amazing. Just his... coming out in like fucking a storm of electricity. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's fucking cool. And then even Andy Serkis is in this, isn't yeah. he? Oh, Andy yeah, Serkis is tripping? great. Yeah. He's te- Tesla's assistant. It's just stacked. Um, I think it's probably Michael Caine's best collaboration with Christopher Nolan. I think Michael Caine is fucking great in it. And he's mm, kind he of is. like, he's like one of the major emotional backbones of the movie, even though he just acts as fucking uh, Hugh Jackman's fucking, whatchamacallit, sponsor or whatever, or producer. Yeah. Mentor, or no, is that... He, he, yeah, he's, he's kind of a mentor to both Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. He's the one thing that kind of connects them. His character is very interesting in it, and I think his performance is fucking excellent. Yeah, just all around. Like, it, this is his first big casted movie to where, like, all the other movies up until this point... They really didn't have such a star-studded cast, and, like, that's not really the point of the movie, though. It really is, like, the story, and it feels so, um, just, yeah, I don't know, man. This battle between the two, it's just, it goes more and more crazy. Mm-hmm. And I, I really would have liked to rewatch this one, because it is, it's yet another one of Nolan's movies that I do kind of pick more and more up on with each viewing, but I haven't seen it as many times as I would have liked, so... I've seen it a ton, and I love it. I think it's fucking fantastic. Uh, this is where I kind of like to get into spoilers for it. Uh, spoilers for the prestige! 
Yeah. I think this is only like my second or third watch. It's definitely my first. It was definitely like my first watch in fucking years. But knowing the twist of, you know, that Christian Bale had a twin that he carried out all all (laughs) his magic in with, that fucking Hugh Jackman was like, oh, I I know he has another person, but who the fuck is it, basically? And then the entire fucking last act is brilliant. Like when I talked about it being gothic horror, like the fucking last scene between the two. And then even the last fucking shot where it's just Christian Bale walking through the fucking the fucking theater that's going on fire and there's like fucking jars of like fucking clones of Hugh Jackman. It gets <laughs> fucking crazy. I forgot it went that hard. And I'm fucking I'm so happy he did. Yeah. I'm so fucking happy he did. It made it made a ton too. of sense. It it does stay grounded t- to where you're like, you know, I, I can kind of buy it, I guess. <laughs> I <laughs> you mean, know what? He's treating it so seriously. We, we're already going with magic. Let's fucking go with it. I just yeah. love that he had that kind of mentality about it. Christian Bale, he had a, the whole thing with Rebecca Hall, who was his wife. And she had the whole so thing. so bad like, for her. Sorry to interrupt. But, like, you feel so bad for her character. You do. Like, she's, yeah. But, but re-watching it, like, it's probably the most obvious instance of, like, where you can tell which twin it is where she asks him like do you love me today you know yeah and he sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says no and obviously whenever he says no it's the twin that's fucking with her and it's just an interesting concept to have them living the same life oh it's so fucking well thought out it's it's a perfect movie it is a brilliant film and it does like ride that fine line of feeling grounded i'm not gonna lie it does kind of feel a bit like it, it it's it's hard for me to I have to suspend my belief. What's the dis- disbelief? What you- yeah, disbelief. When it comes to the cloning people from like Tesla's machine, like that's how they were cloning them, right? If I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's you have to suspend disbelief for the movie, but it, it doesn't take away anything. It's a perfect movie. Five out of five. I'm sure we can all say that. Five out of five. Uh, nine out of ten. What did you say? Nine out of ten. Keelan. Come on. No, it's a you... fucking 10. Oh, Let's you... Go. <laughs> you got me. I was about to say. <laughs> Very epic prank. And the first movie of his that we all agree is a 10. Okay. Yes, that's true. We can all agree it's a 10. Good shit. I'm just going to say it. Speaking of 10s, fucking Dark Knight followed mm-hmm. it up with the Dark Knight. The big one. The big one. Batman raises the stakes in his war on crime with the helps of Lieutenant Jim Gordon and District Attorney Harvey Dent. Batman sets out to dismantle the remaining criminal organizations that plague the streets. The partnership proves to be effective, but they soon find themselves prey to a reign of chaos unleashed by a rising criminal mastermind known to the terrified citizens of Gotham as the Joker. I've seen it countless fucking times. I feel like we all have. I mean, I I think, yeah, we've probably all seen it way too many times to count, and I can definitely say this is the movie I have seen the most times in my life, like, without a doubt. (laughs) Uh, I, I just know because like I there was I would watch this movie like once a week I was way too obsessed and it, it actually was my favorite movie like if I went back in my old posts on Instagram it actually was my favorite movie um, for years because I was doing like my top whatever movies and it was my number one and I and in my heart it's still kind of my number one favorite movie because it is the movie that opened my eyes to like I mean, I'm looking at movies in an entirely different way now, and like performances and actors in an entirely different way. Would it be fair to say that at some point in all of our lives that it has probably been our favorite movie? Because I feel that Not for way me. about this. Like, really? Not for you? No. Okay. 
but I do. Yeah. I mean, I do um, love it, and I, I did have like a phase where I was really, really obsessed with this whole trilogy and mm. that one for sure. But yeah, it's it's not one that I watched on repeat or anything like that. I think around the time mm-hmm. that you guys were probably watching it on repeat, I was probably watching Scott Pilgrim on repeat. But with mm. but with the Dark Knight, like it is one of three superhero films that I go back and forth in my head between calling the best superhero movie of all time. Like it depends on whatever day you catch me, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is the best superhero movie. But the Dark Knight is probably the most artful superhero movie ever made. I can't think of many things wrong with it. Like Liam was saying earlier about how throughout the whole trilogy it kind of has weak action and I disagree for this one. I think the action in this is all spectacular. It has the best of the trilogy, best action of the trilogy. I really like, I I think do in like particular, the action in this the... one. I think it's really hmm. good, but th- there are some moments of like stiffness where it just kind of doesn't really It's very stiff. If you're talking hand-to-hand combat, but yeah, like the, I think the that's chase actually sequences worse you have to talk in the third one. Mm. We got to start though like with what a fucking opening though the bank heist like that has got to be one of the best opening sequences to a movie ever yeah like a classic <laughs> i didn't I think, think that so. when i was eight years old <laughs> i went to see this in the cinema when i was eight years old and we had me and my friend had to leave after it because i was deathly terrified of clowns at the, at the time <laughs> so <laughs> we, we went out of it and we went into angus tongues and perfect snogging instead oh my God. <laughs> we were so scared <laughs> but you know as a grown adult i can say the opening is one of the best openings of all time so such an introduction to the world of the film the first fiction movie to ever be shot on imax or something so with that opening shot of like the fucking skyline of chicago just zooming in on the fucking on heath ledger's joker down below it's I can't imagine seeing that in IMAX. That must have been fucking mind blowing. And I I would say it's also the best um, introduction to a character, like a build up to a character's reveal, like oh, yeah. the Joker. Like it it just gives me chills even still thinking about it. The back and forth between him and fucking William Fickner. Yeah, I don't know. It's just genius the way that he revealed that character. And uh, to me, it's not even, this is like, this is one of the most interesting superhero movies and the only one I could probably say does this differently than any other is the fact that it's not the superhero themselves is that the reason that makes the movie or makes it great. To me, it really is Heath Ledger's Joker. I mean, I just have to give it all to him. Like this movie is as good as it is because of him. Imagine what he'd be doing today if he was still alive. Like, he could be in so many fucking things. Like, this is a movie that, like, at random moments, like, in the past couple of years, I've just thrown on a couple of scenes from it, and I've just watched them all. Like, I think the ones I've watched the most are just the ending and the fucking Joker's first proper scene with the mob. Those two scenes are so fucking brilliant. I mean, and that's the thing, though, is that, like, you can pull almost any any single Joker scene from the movie, and it is an iconic, non-stop entertaining scene. Like, whether it's the hospital sequence, or the, fucking interrogation the, scene. the interrogation, but, like, and the, the iconic quotes, like, every single thing he says is an iconic fucking quote. Yeah. Like... <laughs> one thing I always remember about this so, movie as well is that it has one of the best, like, jump scares ever. Like... Do you remember that fucking jump scare? Oh, yeah, with yeah. The fucking... I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah the mayor's office. Fuck, man. Fuck. Like, yeah. That is like an unhinged scared. jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember the first time I saw it, but every time I've shown that movie to someone, like I'm just watching them like, it's yeah. going to get them, yeah. it's going to get them. <laughs> 
this I this has to be maybe my favorite score out of any Nolan movie. It just it, it has to be. It's a the Dark Knight score. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we we should have mentioned as well. Like fucking Hans Zimmer, he kind of. He had a collaboration with Nolan up until like Dunkirk. I have very controversial opinions on Hans Zimmer, but I think the Dark Knight score is fucking great. It is excellent. The main theme, like a dog chasing cars, it's a fucking <laughs> one of the best superhero themes. But yeah, what, what what the fuck else is there to say about the Dark? I movie? mean, it's... we could. Yeah, this is a movie that we could talk forever and ever about. I mean, it's just it's one of the best movies ever made. To me, there's no question about it that it is the best superhero movie ever made, and it always will be. Like this is peak superhero movie to me. Fucking million <laughs> out of ten. If I could give it like, if I could break the scale for this one, man, it's it's just it's too close to me. Like I can't imagine a life without this movie. Yeah, despite my slight flaws with it, it is a 10, honestly. It's a 10. Two in a row, Nolan, you're doing well. Hopefully it's three in a row with this next one, Inception. Inception. Oh, uh, oh my god. Cobb, a skilled thief who commits corporate espionage by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets, is offered a chance to regain his old life as payment for a task considered to be impossible, Inception. The, implant, the implantation of another person's idea into a target's subconscious. So it's a heist movie, but they're going into somebody's mind. Mm. Yet again, fucking awesome concept. Yeah. that One of uh, his best concepts, know, honestly. Inception is... It gets a lot of shit. I think it gets too much shit. Way too much shit. A lot of people interpret it as a film that thinks it's smarter than it is, and I don't think it's a film that it thinks is, it's very smart. I, I never get this criticism. <laughs> it is so straightforward. It is so straightforward. Yes. Like, if you actually pay attention think, and listen, it's exactly. fucking straightforward. Exactly. It's, I think it's the best edited Nolan film, like, especially with like all the layers of the dreams. It's mm. so easy to keep track of what's happening. And like, yeah. the, especially at the end with the fucking car driving off the bridge and like falling into the water, that is such a genius way of like fucking setting the stakes for what's going on. They have like this amount of time to do this job, yeah. and it only takes like maybe five seconds in the real world, but in their heads, it's just going on for fucking hours mm -hmm. or days or weeks. I think the fucking th doesn't the winter one last like a week or so, but it's so well written. I think it's his most emotional movie. Uh, is yeah, it the most emotional maybe. fiction movie I feel because I think the Cobb trying to you know get a relationship with his kids after the death of Maul his wife the relationship between them and you know him wanting to get back to his kids and all that it's usual Nolan stuff Nolan does this the whole fucking time but I think it works <laughs> dead the wife. best in that's what people always give him shit for they always put, he always puts a dead wife in his movie <laughs> but the thing is he, he always does <laughs> <laughs> he does but like I mean, yeah, what more motivation do you want for a male main character? Like, that's, like, the strongest motivation you can give him. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's not like he wants to see women dead or likes throwing dead women in his movies. Leo um, in this movie. Leo. Fucking hell. He's just so good. Probably my favorite performance by him, maybe. My, I mean, mine's Django, without a doubt. But, yeah, I mean, this is a great one, too. It's that and Django. Uh, They're very interchangeable for me. I think Cobb and Ariadne are my two favorite Nolan characters. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, you know, it's a close film to me, but I think their characters are so fucking good. It's probably my favorite role from both fucking Leonardo DiCaprio and Elliot Page. I think they're both fucking excellent in it. Mm -hmm. But, like, the mm -hmm. whole cast, like, the whole ensemble is fucking great. Fucking Joseph Gordon. Ken Watanabe. Tom Hardy. Tom Ken Hardy. Watanabe. 
Yeah, I love so Ken Watanabe. Killian Murphy. To, this this really feels like like the ultimate uh, Nolan cast. To be hmm. honest, I mean you've yeah. got Killian Murphy, Michael Caine, Tom Hardy. Um, you just I wish that uh, Leo would have come back for like more Nolan movies. There are two like central like really important scenes that I kind of want to talk about, but they are spoilers. Before we get into spoilers, I also just want to say because back to way back to what you mentioned about how like it's so easy if you just follow along what's happening. Like, you understand what's happening. Because when, when everyone says, like, Inception's so confusing, it's so hard to understand. It's funny because people give shit for Nolan for making Inception confusing, but also having too much exposition. And you can't have, like, one without the other. I mean, or you can't have, like, one both, I feel like. Because the exposition is what makes it not confusing. You know? You're either going to have too much exposition, or you're going to be confused. Well, he, he balances so, it perfectly here, I think. I thought so too. He he did he did the exposition in like the best way possible where they are explaining what the fuck is going on but they're also showing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're not making like, it you like, know, boring. They're making it interesting. It just though. depends on the yeah, person, I, mean, I think. Like if they're not as interested in the dialogue and they're like kind of not following along, then that's on them, I guess, but it does yeah. give you all of the shit that you need to follow along. It really does. Probably the movie's most famous fucking sequence, the Paris sequence with Ariadne and Cobb, yeah. where they're just walking through the place, and yeah. like it's showing everything that can happen in the dream, like what can go wrong, like you know variables to look out for and all that. I think it's probably like the best Hans Zimmer score as well. I think it's my favorite score. Oh, the score, score is great. I know it's. It, oh, I, I said time. Dark Knight, Don't but get it's me like tied. Time. Time is such a fucking yeah, amazing song. Yeah. Oh my god. It like, is. I'm probably I'm probably biased because I think it's like fucking zimmer's first collaboration with johnny marr who's like the guitarist for the smiths and i fucking love that man <laughs> so i think what he adds to the score is fucking great but like it's also like i think his most uh zimmer's most original score his most effective score what i love is the fact that and this is this is throughout all of his movies at this point but he has that constant background soundtrack going yeah. like cutting from scene to scene to where it feels like the momentum just keeps going and it just adds this like feeling to his movies that i i just love so spoilers for inception go ahead yeah there's two scenes that i really want to talk about but it's all like towards the end of the film like when everything's starting to they're about to hit the water with the van but it's that one sequence with Killian Murphy and his dad. Oh, that oh, is brilliant. That kills oh. me every time. I will never stop crying Man. when I watch that part, honestly. Man, seeing Killian break down after he sees like what's in the safe, yeah, that dude, makes like, me want to cry too. His I don't know what it is, but his acting there is just so like perfect in like like the way that he's crying, it's just like it, it feels so real. And I I, I really mm, like that man. it's not this big like explanation thing or whatever in that scene like it's it's just something as simple as like a photo yeah. and like little propeller thing like it's just exactly it's so it, beautiful i love how it's done it is as a whole it feels like nolan's most in intimate and personal movie it kind of does honestly it isn't that huge scale but you know <laughs> and the weird thing as well is that like we're not really given that much about like killian murphy's character like outside of what yeah. everyone's explaining about him so it's like when you actually do see that, it's kind of surprising that you feel as much as you do. I guess mm. it's also because like the emotional hooks are there from Leo's character as well. It makes you feel wrapped up in like the characters in general, I guess. The other scene I wanted to talk about was like the, not the very, very ending, but like the last dream bit where he's um with Ken Watanabe, like the, the, mm. move, the scene yes. the movie opens on. 
I just I fucking yeah, adore that yeah. scene between those two. I don't know what it is, but I just love everything about it. It's incredible. It's great. Like, well, is it the last great. dream scene? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> five out of five, obviously. Yep. Fucking five. Five. five out no, of no, five. no, not a five out of five. Ten out of ten. I'm sticking with that. Fuck you. <laughs> I know. I we need a pick. One, yeah, like, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Ten out yeah. of ten. Five out of five. All right, moving on to The Dark Knight Rises, 2012. People are going to hate me on this one. I fucking... Dude, I adore it too. I I, I just want to get this out of the way first. After after Quinn finishes the synopsis, get it out of the way. I don't want to be fucking hearing it. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. If you got to do it, do it straight away. I'm not going to do anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And I want to do it too so bad, but I'm not going to. Following the death of District Attorney Harvey Dent, Batman assumes responsibility for Dent's crimes to protect the late attorney's reputation and is subsequently hunted by the Gotham City Police Department. Eight years later, Batman encounters the mysterious Selina Kyle and the villainous Bane, a new terrorist leader who overwhelms Gotham's finest. The Dark Knight resurfaces to protect a city that has branded him an enemy. Um, Is it as bad as everyone says? And explain why it's not because where's the fucking start man i don't care what anybody says this is this is the most flawed movie of the trilogy but i'm willing to overlook the flaws because it's still got a great score it's still got that amazing grand scope visual feel that nolan has with all of his movies it has a lot of emotion for a dark knight movie just like has a perfect ending for the characters i mean i could go on like it's to me it's a perfect end to a trilogy even though the action is kind of shit like there is some really glaring like choreography problems and continuity problems and plot holes but you know i think i think hand-to-hand combat it's not great but like the rest of the action i do actually like the action i could say is great is i I do like the fight between him and bane wherever they are in like the sewers oh i mean uh, that shit is great that shit's great i i just love that probably got out of the way i I really like dark knight rises (laughs) oh you do yeah. Are you serious? Like, why the fuck did you? Yeah. Why would you? Oh, assume that's I, a relief. I, 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 um, like I thought you didn't like it. No, I, I, I haven't seen it in a while. It's definitely soured in my memory a, a small bit, but I think I like it about as much as Batman Begins. I like because, it more you know, than Batman it, Begins. Personally. I do too, just by a hair, by like a hair. Yeah. It was a very special movie for me as well because it was like the first no no it would have been the first Nolan film I saw in the cinema. And, like, the hype surrounding this was fucking unreal. Yeah. It was so fucking electric being in the cinema opening night. It's objectively the most flawed of the trilogy. There's, like, a lot of, like, kind of dumb shit in it. I think one of the biggest problems for me is uh, Marion Cotillard's character. Yeah, I can Which agree is with weird, that. because I, I, I fucking yeah. I love Marion Cotillard, but her character is so strange, and the payoff is fucking stupid. Yeah, it's a really fucking stupid Bane twist gets for the character. Like a little like baby, like what? Like... It's a little baby Bane. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just but even weird... what they do to Bane's character is—that's I mean, a spoiler, I guess. But fucking spoilers for the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I'll just say it. everyone's it, seen it. Yeah. yeah, everyone's seen it. The fact that he's fucking Ra- Rajal Ghul's son. What the fuck? I what? know. It's... Who the fuck thought it's... of that? Why was that a good idea? Was it just like? <laughs> tying like you know the beginning to the end or whatever i will say the liam neeson cameo or the liam neeson appearance was kind of awesome i'm not gonna lie i liked seeing him come back i think one of my absolute favorite things about this movie the batman kind of does it a bit better 
but I love how apocalyptic it feels. Yeah. Mm. I love how apocalyptic yeah. the like the last act feels, and I love the arc that Bruce goes through, like with fucking after he breaks his back, he has to oh, basically climbing out of the pit. I think he's at his best in in the trilogy in this. Like this is like way more about like Bruce and Batman yeah. than anything, and that's why I love it so much. Like the whole like you know element of rise, like it's communicated so well with his character. Oh, absolutely. I, for sure, and um, I do like that apocalyptic feel, but yet again, the means that they use to get there is kind of stupid to where, like, let's get all of the cops in an underground tunnel and the then cop shit trap is them. ridiculous. That's the like the most, one of the most stupid. Yeah, that's one of the most <laughs> glaring, like, plot, stupid plot things about the it's movie. Like a, but it's like a what? Joker plot, like, rather than Bane. It kind of works. <laughs> Yeah, kind of is. Well, that's the thing is that Joker's spo- or Bane is supposed to be like the ultimate enemy to Batman because he's he's kind of like the chaos part of Joker, but he's also intelligent and physically as strong. So like it makes sense, you know. I I, I don't really buy in. Like one of the reasons like people have kind of completely turned on this movie is because of like how many plot holes there are. Like I don't really care much about plot holes in movies. Like as long as a movie's like good for me or whatever, I don't give a shit about plot holes. You know, the things we were talking about, they are kind of fucking stupid, but there are, like, so much other good things about it. I think it's shot brilliantly. I think the acting is mostly terrific. Michael Caine is the best thing about this movie. He is fucking amazing in it. Like, the scene where he's delivering that monologue out um, above fucking Bruce's grave at the end. Where he's just like, oh, I yeah. failed you, Master Bruce. It's fucking heartbreaking. Well, it, it always it gets is. me is the one with with them two, like when he says goodbye, Alfred. Like that fucking mm. rips my heart out every single time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't get yeah. how Michael Caine was that good in that scene when he's delivering those lines. Like I don't want. I'm not gonna say the line because I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Michael Caine and you know Christian Bale's character, like. Um, it jumping to the end, it does kind of give a uh, another ambiguous ending. Like, I mean, because you can interpret it. I, I don't know. Like, did Bruce, did he survive the explosion and is he actually there? Or is Michael Caine just, like, having remembering the memory of him? You know, like... Alfred kind of is nothing without Bruce after that point, after Bruce dies. Like, because he spent most of his fucking life raising this kid and it's just like you know his child died basically the person mm-hmm. he'd cared for the most in the world like and he's just i mean one thing just, we also have to even, talk about yeah. is the the robin setup you know that never happened oh I, yeah what the fuck yeah it's kind, it's kind of fucking silly too it is it's so silly that's the one part that like he didn't have that's to the do fucking that. end shot as well yeah like, fucking... it is <laughs> he didn't have to do that it's... but i still would like to see that happen eventually if it can but I don't know if it will. That almost feels like something the studios like almost forced him to do yeah. in case they were yeah. to do that, you know? Like I feel like Nolan wouldn't have put that in there cuz he even said he doesn't want to direct another superhero movie. So, you know, I feel like that was like a, a Warner Brothers thing to move on. Uh um scores for The Dark Knight Rises. 10. 10 for me too. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a eight, shit. I don't, 8 out of 10. I, I I still really like it. Moving on to Interstellar. This was the one movie I really wanted to rewatch before the episode, and I hate myself for not doing it. I was watching other shit instead. I should have <laughs> I rewatched to re-watch this because it it's the one I've seen besides Insomnia. It's the one I've seen the least, but it really? is so good. I've seen it yeah, so much, I and I love it. 
Oh my god. I think it's I, to me. I think it's honestly just the length that gets me. Like it's it's one of his longer movies, and I just don't have the time sometimes. Mm. I just I don't know. The adventures of a group of explorers who make us who make use of a newly discovered wormhole to surpass the limitations on human space travel and conquer the vast distances involved in an interstellar voyage. I think it's absolutely incredible, and I think it's one of his best emotional core kind of stories you know like similar to inception how like leo has this whole thing with his wife and all that like this is the one with like matthew mcconaughey and his daughter and the relationship is so strong and it's like the real the real heart of the movie i think absolutely like people give nolan another thing that people give nolan a lot of crap for is saying that his movies feel like cold and detached but just point them to this movie. Like, how mm. can you watch? You can't watch this and not say that it doesn't have a heart, you know? There's heart there, but I'm kind of cold on Interstellar. I don't really love it. I, I kind of hesitate to say I like it even. I think it's good for the most part. I think there's so many great things about it. The one scene that everyone goes on about with Matthew McConaughey just in the pod, just watching the videos, that scene is fucking phenomenal that scene is terrific yeah there's there's other shit as well like the fucking docking scene i think the scene on the fucking wave planet or whatever oh, yeah. where, like time moves Incredible. super fast i think that's really good i saw this like first when it came out i saw it in imax and like i i really just like couldn't believe some of the shit i was seeing because i was like this is like nolan where he's gone like so far into like into so much like interesting shit and he just like mm-hmm. i don't know like the, the whole movie is just so fascinating throughout the whole runtime. It's it's clearly Nolan's attempt to do a 2001 A Space Odyssey-like movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's even, like, the fucking robot that's, like, literally yeah. a fucking black block, like the fucking mama <laughs> from 2001. Yeah, which I kind of like that, though. I don't know. I, 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 do, I do like that, too. I don't consider that a flaw. Like, you know, I think he's called, like, 2001 his favorite movie or something. Yeah, he has. So And so it makes sense that he would want to do something like his favorite movie because i feel like if we all fucking made movies we'd want to do something similar to our favorites yeah i I don't really know what to say about interstellar i just kind of found it like kind of boring and i didn't kind of latch on to much to do with it highly recommend like like i said there is certain scene (laughs) i I do want to rewatch it i'm open to rewatching it i would highly recommend rewatching it as well because my first time viewing I rated it a three out of five and I also thought it was boring. And then I watched it again and it was like a whole new experience. I don't know what clicked my second time. Maybe I just let it sit with me or maybe I just, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was, really was like a whole new movie to me my second time. And it's kind of a crazy how much it's jumped up for me. I've seen this three and a half times. <laughs> I've seen this Damn. movie three and a half times. I've seen it first countless time times. I, saw it I, I can't remember how many I've seen it. I don't know. I get so wrapped up in this movie and I just adore it. I think it's yeah. amazing. And I love all of the actors so much. I think they all just do so well. I, I, I love is. Jessica Chastain and fucking mm. Matthew McConaughey. And I think they're both Just amazing. the visuals as well. Like, the visuals are so fucking unreal. <laughs> and honestly... It's easily his best looking movie. It's his best looking movie. Probably. I think. It, it, it is yeah. my favorite um, score from him i think honestly i think mm, the music the is fucking yeah. unreal there's yeah. just nothing like it i really don't like the score i you're just wrong <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the score I is it's just brilliant. so fucking overbearing we haven't talked about this at all which we kind of should have done for dark knight rises with the dark knight rises that kind of started the whole thing of nolan oh and his fucky sound mixing and i think yeah. it's at its peak here 
I think it's at it its peak so in Dunkirk, honestly. It works in Dunkirk because it's a fucking war movie. With it being too loud, I think it's mainly the score that's way too fucking loud. It is so overbearing. I can't fucking stand it. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I, I could also be kind of skewed a little because, you know, this is kind of my hater shit coming in. I, I, I get weirdly fucking annoyed whenever I see it on lists of best movies of all time. I see it on so many fucking lists, and it's just like, man, it's not that. It is one of the best movies of all time. (laughs) Kill yourself. (laughs) Fuck you. I think it's visually. (laughs) I think it's visually one of the best movies of all time. Like it's visually terrific. Like I think it is. It stand. It'll stand the test of time forever. Like I think it's to this day like one of the best. I I just don't know. I mean, holy fuck! It's ten years old next year. I'm old as fuck. Oh, that's, that's, that's scary, man. That that's is depressing. Oh my god. Holy crap. We're old, man. It still um, feels like a new movie. It, it literally could have come out like today and it would look better than most of the movies today. So, I, mean, I mean, that just goes to show, like, you know, Nolan's onto something with his fucking insistence on practical effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because his yeah. movies are fucking timeless. And we also have to, before moving on, I mean, he did. They genuinely did do a lot of research into space and like that stuff is so fucking cool. And yeah, and so like they really did not want to look stupid with this movie because like you easily could point out like all the plot holes. But like they they got like I mean they got a lot of smart ass people like to do the research and actual scientists you know behind this. So ten out of ten. I would also fuck it i'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 too even though i i, I just am i mean it's it is a perfect is that 10 10 perf- out of 10s now <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfectly assembled movie i'm not we're not at 10 out of 10s or 10 10 out of 10s i haven't given that many i'd give interstellar a 6 out of 10 it's probably closer to a 7 than a 5 Fair enough. <laughs> well, moving on to Dunkirk. So, the story of the miraculous evacuation of Allied soldiers from Belgium, Britain, Canada, and France who were cut off and surrounded by the German army from the beaches and harbor of Dunkirk between May 26th and June 4th, 1940, during World War II. Boring synopsis, but. It's a war yeah, movie. It's a war movie. But it's a movie. very, it's a very movie. good one. It feels real. Mm-hmm. Yet he a lot still of the time. Feels, fits his fucking time shit in it. Well, kind of does. Nutcase. That's true. Oh yeah, like to the... like mess with time. Because yeah. like the it's yeah. it's edited in a way that like it's like three parallel stories, but like it, it roughly goes along at the pace that yeah. whatever method of traveling they're doing, it will go back to that point in it. So like the plane is the fastest storyline, the boat is the second fastest, and the on foot is the slowest. Mm. But I think like. I mean, that's like a kind of a thing that doesn't really need to be in this movie, but I'm glad that it is because I think it makes the pacing oh, I, a I lot better. It. And it makes I, it less I, generic I really as well. It, it could have been yeah. like, you know, because if this was directed by anybody else, it could have been a really boring, generic war movie. But I love the fact that Nolan can take like any genre, any story and still put his like auteur stamps on it. You know, like I'm going to fuck with time. I'm going to make it visually amazing. Like I'm going to do all of this, you know, so... Uh, I just like how he can, it, because of him, it elevates the movie so much uh, where it could have been a really boring movie, honestly, if it was directed by anybody else. It's such a fucking memorable movie. It is, I, I think it's sort of underrated in a way in his filmography. Yeah, it I definitely think it's is. so fucking intense. I mm-hmm. The opening scene, like seeing that in cinemas for the first time, it is fucking gut-wrenchingly intense. Like from when they're walking onto the streets, then going straight onto the fucking beach. Oh my god, it's it's fucking excellent. It feels really real, and I'm I'm pretty sure he like 
um, didn't he get like actual people from this war or whatever to to like see yeah. the movie, and they were like mm, fucking yeah. shell shocked or some shit. <laughs> like, oh yeah. gosh, I bet <laughs> probably gave him trauma, man. It, yeah, I, I remember hearing. Uh, but like, I remember hearing but like from it. them. Apparently, like they said, it was just so ridiculously accurate, and that's like a testament to how wow. much he really cares about his movies. For sure, I've, I've I've done a bit of hating on Hans Zimmer this episode, but fucking, <laughs> I really love the score for this movie as well. I love the t- I love the ticking that's running throughout the score. Yeah. Like See, it creates that's you know, so weird because like I find it one of his lesser scores in terms. I, of I really love the Dunkirk score. I, I I love the urgency it creates in in the film. Like I think it's it's also another example of what like Quinn was saying earlier where like him layering like the scores on top of like separate scenes or whatever it creates such an it, it's so intense and it creates such a, a unique sense of urgency it does work really well but that's the thing is that the ticking part is the only memorable about the score thing about the score for me I wish the score was more memorable but I really do only remember the ticking but, yeah so, kind of <laughs> that's fair. yeah but <laughs> I mean, it's still great, like, you know, overall. the All the movies before this, you can really, like, commend the acting. But, like, with this one, it's really not as prominent, I don't think. I love no, that. no one really, like, in this movie, I don't think, shines, like, that much. It's just kind of, like, about telling mm-hmm. the story itself and being as accurate as possible. It's not really about the characters or the acting. I think yeah. maybe Mark Rylance and Tom Hardy both do. But I think probably my one of my favorite things about this is about this movie is the lack of characterization they give yeah it should work against the movie but it works so fucking well with how they did it like there's like there's little things like there's fucking you know chris um killian murphy's character has like a ring obviously he'd have a wife back home or all or whatever Mm. there's like little details like that that give you enough about the characters so you know kind of what their situation is yeah but it's not like fucking you're getting to know these characters or whatever and i think it's very smart how it does that and it just focuses on the actual events it doesn't feel like you're really meant to because there's just so many people that were in this thing and it's like we're not going to focus on just one of them because that would be pretty selfish honestly exactly it's just showing the fucking severe scale of it and didn't he like break an imax camera while filming this movie that was dark knight they oh that was dark like a ton really they broke like a couple of imax cameras during the filming of the chase scene hey he might have done it again for that you know i thought he did it again here like because like one did. like i don't know if it was from the water damage or something i don't know what <laughs> happened but that's what i heard for this one too but he can break as many as he likes as long as he makes movies this good yeah for sure man i'm sure they didn't give it too much of a shit you're fucking putting us in business no we'll give you as many cameras as you need <laughs> those things are like it was like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something crazy like that though like mm. these cameras are insane no this this is like just such a it's him at like this and interstellar him as like his visual peak i think like his big spectacle peak mm-hmm. i would say and that's to be honest that's all that really holds the movie up for me is the visual spectacle of it all because you're right it doesn't have characters the score is not that memorable to me the story isn't that interesting to me it really is just like i'm mesmerized by what i'm watching that's for for what it is it does the job well like really really well 10 honestly 10 yeah i I think it's perfect for what it does that's fair i give it a 9 out of 10 i give it a nice crisp solid 9 out of 10 fair Mm. enough Moving on to Tenet, his most, I would say, his most divisive movie. Yeah, probably. 
uh, armed with only one word, tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, the protagonist tr journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Uh, by far his most confusing movie, I will say that. I don't think it's like too confusing to enjoy, but this makes Inception look like fucking, you know, child's play in terms of like what he's doing with time and shit, you know? Me, me so. and Keelan are on very opposite ends of this. Oh, I, 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 I love Tempest. No, you don't. I, I adore Tempest. You, you shit on it non-stop. What are you talking about? I fucking hate Tempest. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> See, I, I knew think it was most divisive. It's borderline dog shit. It's, it's, it's really it's, not. It's not. <laughs> it really is. It is only saved by its action sequences. The action sequences you are gotta fucking admit, awesome. The action is probably the best of his career, I think, in this movie. The action I would just right is. The action fucking And slaps. it's a shame that everything between the action is so fucking awful. It's not, though. The Did writing like... <laughs> fucking is. Oh, my God. What did you think so of the score? Was this I love score? the score. The score is great. I love the score. I'm so, I'm so happy he ditched fucking Hans Zimmer and got uh, Ludwig <laughs> Goransson. I, I love the score for Tenet. Yeah, he's kind of, like, been impressing me, like, with... Um, yeah. Yes, and Oppenheimer, like Jesus. I th I think the the score for Tenet is probably neck and neck with the action scenes, like best thing about it. I listen to and, the score quite often. And so. we got Travis Scott in there. Can't forget that song. Fucking <laughs> yeah, Travis too. Scott. That song bangs. The action scenes are fucking great. I I love each and every one of them, especially you know what them fucking crashing the real fucking plane into the airport. Oh, I think yeah. that's fucking badass. Yeah. That is such the a Nolan well. thing to do. Like when we heard about it that, is. like before the movie came out, we're just like, yeah, that's fucking Nolan. Yeah, Let him do what he wants. Him. And that for me, the highway chase scene is for my my it's favorite fantastic. part of the. Uh... But I just think like you know the element of like you know the reverse like time all that shit like mixed with this kind of action like it, i don't know it's just so impressive to see that like come together the way that it did mm -hmm. i really like the concept of the movie i do and i i like the dialogue i like the story i just think it's like so fascinating personally there are plot holes but like you said so you can suspend some disbelief in some shit and just like yeah. go along with it and i just go along with tenet i saw it like five times in theaters i fucking like oh, yeah. loved it i think i only saw it twice yeah, in theaters but i yeah. i couldn't stop i was i was loving it my cinema closed down in time for me to want to see it a second time but i've seen it twice yeah and it got worse the second time like i agree with you that the concept is great without the concept we wouldn't have the great action scenes but my biggest problem is that every scene between the action is excusing the action. It's explain it's explaining the action in a very rote way. Where it's like like I was talking about how like Inception, it's showing you it's showing you the exposition in action. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas Tennis, like I the only thing I can think of is when what's her name fucking Fleur from fucking Harry Potter is like showing him the gun and how like the gun the the bullets in it. Yeah, you know what? Whatever the fuck was going on there. That's my main issue with it. The dialogue is so piss poor. I don't give a fuck about anyone. The only person I maybe give a fuck about is Robert Pattinson because he's Robert Pattinson and I love Robert Pattinson. But <laughs> I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah. say that it has like it has characters there, but they are not 
as interesting as some of his other movies for sure they're not they're kind of they're really base level characters i feel like you know you got like the mom with the kid and then you've got i mean the main character's name is literally the protagonist like a character i feel like he's sacrificing the characterization for the insane concept like all the emphasis is on the concept like it's not about the characters it's about the spectacle and the visual it feels very hollow in that way. But in saying that, it does have one of the most memorable dialogue exchanges in oh, fucking... Oh, no. I already know what you're about to say. <laughs> I know what you're about to fucking say. <laughs> we all know it. It's the fucking... Oh, yeah, the nuke is going to kill everyone. Even my son? Oh. Fucking stupid fucking... Oh, what that wasn't the line I was thinking of. What were you thinking of? I was thinking of, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. Oh. Oh, no, that's <laughs> Yeah, that's that awesome. Great. That's a good line. <laughs> People make fun of that line though, because no, that line a was funny. Line. Everyone in the theater laughed. Yeah, it's hilarious. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I thought the dialogue was middling for this. I'm not gonna lie, but that, like I said, I don't care as much about the dialogue and the characters because I'm so consumed by the visual and spectacle that I can say, you know what? I don't care. Like I'm all here for the reverse fucking crazy ass fighting. Like that's what I want to see. So that's what I'm getting. Yeah, I think it's really cool with that kind of stuff. Also, we do have to talk about me and uh, Keelan have another very, very strong disagreement. I was about to bring it up. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I fucking (laughs) hate Kenneth Branagh in this. I like him quite a bit. I think he's quite good. After seeing Oppenheimer, I can't believe it's the same actor doing like a pretty (laughs) similar accent because he's fucking great in Oppenheimer. But in fucking Tenet, he is... He's kind of just chewing the scenery though. He's like playing that really over the top bad guy. You yeah, know, and I love it. I think it's know. fucking goofy and cool. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle between you guys because there's some scenes I cringe at at his character, and there's other scenes I'm like, yeah, he's he's a little menacing here. All I really have to say about it is the action is great. Everything in between is awful. The worst stuff of Nolan's career. I think it's Nolan at his most self indulgent. I would say that, and to that's, that's a bad fair. and a good thing. Like the sound is fucking. Oh, the sound is so obnoxious in this. I I like, like the, the sound, sound could have been better. I think the sound like was, I mean, like the more I watched it, the more I got used to it, and maybe that's just me, like just trying to I, like it as much as I possibly can. <laughs> but like, I I, I really did. Shut up, but... Keelan! I'm talking. Holy fuck! Oh my god! Go on, go on. <laughs> no, you. I've lost my fucking train of thought now. You keep interrupting me. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I don't have any more tenant thoughts. I'm done. It's a tenant out of ten. There you go. It's a four out of ten. It's a oh, very man. very light four out of ten. No, I give it a 9 out of 10. Even though I agreed with a lot of the flaws and I realize it's a very flawed movie, I can I don't care if my enjoyment level is like a 9 out of 10 because it is it's you're never going to see any other movie execute this at all or this well if they even do. I have to give it that. Moving on to finally the last and most recent movie of his uh filmography. Nice short and sweet synopsis too for Oppenheimer. The story of J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atomic bomb during World War II. And it's his longest movie, right? It, yeah, by far. It is, yeah. yeah. There's only one to break three hours, right? It, it just barely breaks three hours. It's like three hours and like 48 seconds or something. <laughs> but it doesn't even feel like it, though. To me, it didn't Oh, I, th- I, th- like I thought it felt it. I thought oh, it felt you felt it. Really? But in a good way. In a good way. Not in a, not in a like, oh, this is fucking boring. I really enjoyed soaking in everything, and it mm-hmm. was very easy to follow as someone who yes. isn't very scientifically minded. But he did a good, really good job of making it accessible, and I think it's down to what he chooses to focus on with the movie. 
and I think it's very smart what he did with it. Yeah. yeah, and I think everything is absolutely like needed. Like, there's nothing I can think of that you should cut out of the movie. Maybe like stuff about his personal life. The 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 introduction of the line. The the introduction of the line. I I, I am become death. Oh, that yeah, man. That was uh, we're, that's crazy. spoiler territory, so we're gonna oh, have yeah. to wait. But this this movie has made me realize just how low everyone's attention span is because yeah, holy man. shit it's it's unbelievable that so many people are like watching this movie and they're like not taking anything in mm. barbenheimer has ruined this movie i'm saying it okay did they they will go into the both of these movies and like they expect this to be like a fun one because it's part of a meme or whatever but it's not fun at all it's a lot of information that you have to follow and people yeah. are just not prepared to do that. And it seems like a lot of people are complaining about it being too heavy on the dialogue or whatever. And it's like, it's not. It's just, this is the story it needs to tell. And it's a true story. Mm-hmm. And if you want to learn about it, you can. But if you're just going to go there for a shit meme, then like, don't fucking bother. Like, it's... Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I hate people. Like, any... Yeah, like, I don't expect the, the teenage girls that are, like, on the internet seeing only learning about oppenheimer and christopher nolan through tiktok and barbie like they're not gonna enjoy this movie like they're just some of them might but they're what are they expecting i mean this is a movie that takes itself very seriously but should be taken seriously and like it's a three-hour historical biopic about the nuclear bomb like this is not like a fun popcorn movie you know it I, i i just but that's what people are expecting i feel like which is stupid but you know what go see it because you're giving him more money so he can make more of these movies so please go see it yeah but... why not <laughs> just i did have like kind of a not shit theater experience but like it was mm. a bit irritating because i mean this goes to show the kind of people that it's drawing in i guess but the guy next oh. to me had i shit you not a barbie like action figure box like with, with a barbie <laughs> action figure in it he was a big guy, and he would not get off his fucking phone the entire movie. Oh, no. I was just like, oh, holy man. shit, the, the crowd that this is drawing in, I can't believe it. And, like, also, there were people oh. in suit jackets walking into the movie, too. So I know that they were doing the Barbenheimer shit as well. Why? Like, he, they, when you get to the point of really interrupting is. the movie, like, it's not fun anymore. Like, it's not fun for people when you interrupt their shit like this. And he wouldn't turn the sound off on his phone. Oh, my God. I, it really is a shame that uh, Barbie will forever be associated with this movie because this movie deser- deserves so much better and it deserves a much better reputation, you know? So that's all I've got to say. I completely disagree with both of you on it. I think Barbenheimer <laughs> is one of the best things that could have happened for this movie. And I look, well, yeah, I know you had a shit theater. Exp- no, still. No, not even, not even money-wise. It's showing that people want to see these kinds of films whether it's the fucking slow three-hour-long artsy movie or the two-hour fucking comedy it's showing the studios that people there's a demand for this kind of thing whether it's a meme or not i think it's they don't no no, (laughs) i think they will they will take note because this is like the fourth biggest box office weekend in history and your shit theater experience is nothing to do with it because most of my theater experiences for the past while have been shit, and my Oppenheimer one is actually pretty good. Well, it has something well, to do with it, it when people walk in in suit jackets going to see Oppenheimer, and they bring a Barbie fucking action pick action figure box and don't get off their fucking phone the whole time. That is oh, that guy sounds that like is the cause yeah. of like that happening. And 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 that's the thing is that even though Keelan, you said 
people want to go see these movies. I think the that half of that crowd, the Barbie crowd, the Barbenheimer crowd, there it's the intention behind why they want to go see it. They don't want to go see it because they genuinely if Barbie didn't come out the same day as Oppenheimer, those people would probably not go to see Oppenheimer. They're only probably going not. for the double feature, for the meme, for the joke, for the trend to say like they did the double feature. It, it, so I mean, I I just wish people genuinely cared about the movie and went to see it because of that imagine if like it came out the same day as like the the marvels or whatever like be bob and marvel or something like that like it's the same thing <laughs> oh, like it's the exact same thing it doesn't matter what the movie is it's just that they're following a meme and a trend because it's popular yeah they're not actually interested in the movie itself. They might be interested yeah. in Barbie because Barbie is an accessible thing like to a lot of people, but Oppenheimer mm-hmm. really isn't because it requires a lot of people to actually pay attention <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But the response for both has been overwhelmingly positive. I have not heard a single person say they hated Oppenheimer. I've I have heard people shit on it because it's too long and too dialogue heavy. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen people say they hate it, but I have seen people say it's it's too long, it's slow, it's boring, like, you know, just some people. Not, I mean, us, yeah, we we don't I'm not I'm not way, saying like, all. I'm not saying all. That wouldn't be a fair enough criticism if it's not their, you know, type of thing. It is going to expose more people to these kinds of movies and maybe they will realize, "Hey, these kinds of movies are my thing." So I I, see I can agree with that. Nothing but a positive. I can I hope see so. We can only hope. I can yeah. agree with that. Like if it if it does get to a percentage of people where like they say, okay, I enjoyed Oppenheimer, and I'm gonna look for more movies like this, then that's a great thing. But there are the other side of that crowd as well, where they're like annoying yeah. and interrupt shit. Yeah. And they're filming with their phone, saying, "Oh, I'm doing the double." People feature. have been they filming fucking Florence Pugh's pay- tits in the fucking theater. I've had enough of this yeah. shit. Like they. Yeah. People it's, are just so yeah. irritating to me this, these days. Fucking hell. Okay, so yeah, I, I did do Barbenheimer, and it was surreal. Because of this movie, I it fucking hurt. Like, I think the overwhelming tone of the movie is that we're fucked, and it's all our fault, basically, and I mm. love that about it. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of Nolan's most, like... I think uh, it's his bleakest movie because it, yeah, of how I was about real to say, it like, is bleak. how large scale it is it is basically a historical epic in a way like the fucking cast is fucking unbelievable it is man the amount of like big actors he got for like small parts or like you know it's the ultimate oh there's that fucking guy there's like (laughs) a lot of those fucking (laughs) Fucking josh peck (laughs) josh fucking peck josh peck like fucking jason clark I was not expecting him to be as good as he was. He was like one of my favorite. Jason Clark is really good. I don't know why people give him a lot of shit. He's a really good actor. Terminator Genesis. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Wait. Jason Jason Clark. He was. uh, He he was like the opposing lawyer. Oh yeah, I think people don't like him because they just don't like his face. (laughs) Honestly, he does have. He's just one of those weird faces. It's it's an annoying face, but he's he's a really good actor. yeah. Yeah, but no, I I just I gotta read off the the cast just because it is so crazy you got killian murphy emily blunt matt damon robert donnie jr florence Pugh, benny safdie josh hartnett rami malik kenneth kenneth brana uh matthew modine gary oldman alex <laughs> wolf casey affleck jack quaid fuck, fuck man me. like this is it's crazy and it goes on and on like i i josh peck i could keep going did, did you guys know gary oldman was in it beforehand no, no, I, I didn't, didn't know that. No, when I was like, up, oh my god, I, hello. <laughs> I know, when he popped up as Truman, I'm like, oh my god. Like, I'm not even, I was so, like, numbed by the cast at that point that I was like, yeah, okay, it makes sense. 
<laughs> Just throw Gary. There was no Michael Caine though. I really would have liked a Michael Caine somewhere yeah, in here. Yeah, true. It's like yeah. his first movie in a while without Michael Caine. Yeah, he always does shit with Michael Caine. Who I guess stood out the most to you Killian. in terms of either performance or Killian easily. Yeah, I I love I love everyone for like what they do and like all that. But Killian just did something else with this movie, and he mm-hmm. really really got into it. Like oh my god. Yeah, him and Robert Downey Jr. Like I got to give it to Robert yeah. Downey for Robert this. Robert Downey like, Jr. Was so immense. glad he's he can give a great performance after the MCU. You know. Mm-hmm. Five favorites were like Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Benny Safdie, and Jason Clarke. I fucking mm. loved them all. Mm-hmm. I thought they were fucking all terrific. Yeah. Especially Benny Safdie. Holy shit. Dude, he was yeah. fucking Benny awesome. Safdie was awesome. Could, <laughs> I, I'll just always have that image in my... I, every time I think of him in that movie, I think of him... And this isn't spoiling with like the sunscreen lathered mm, all yeah, over his face, those yeah. goggles. That's all I can think of when I think of him. Out of all the cast, though, like... Um, Besides those two, I really liked Josh Hartnett in this movie. I'm so glad Josh Hartnett Josh is having like great. a comeback. Between this and Beyond the Sea from Black Mirror, he can give a great fucking performance. Like, and those are just from this year. So I'm kind of glad that he's in more things right now. My my three but, favorites um, were definitely Killian, Robert Downey Jr., and Matt Damon. Like they were all great. Yeah, he was great too. Matt Damon was great. Matt Damon was awesome. I I really liked him. Yeah, he. <laughs> played a good asshole general yeah yeah but i think overall killian did give give the best performance he yes. had the most to do and he he had the weight of the movie on his back there is like i would you say i just can't get sorry. over the last hour like the last hour that's where killian hour. murphy's like performance just mm-hmm. fucking broke me would you say this is uh the best performance of his career yeah it's definitely this yeah a three hour like and it's almost every scene basically includes him, which is crazy too. Like, at least it feels like it. Well, you really so, like Twenty Eight Days Later, as well. Yeah, I do too. I, I love Twenty Eight. But his later. performance necessarily it doesn't really like stand out as like the best thing about that movie. It's a great performance, but um, that's my favorite movie with him. But that's not his best performance, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you guys knew about like the whole like the science behind any of it before watching the movie or anything. Because I really didn't. Now hearing about like a lot of it, I'm kind of paranoid. Um, because like he mentions the whole thing with like the chain reaction and shit. Like that can actually still happen and still destroy Dude, know, right? the world. Isn't that like, scary? That, that is yeah. so fucking scary to me. And I couldn't believe it when I was hearing it. I'm like, this is real? Like this could actually fucking happen? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, and fuck, man, oh, yeah. we, we should get into spoilers, you think? maybe i i guess so. you want to keep going i, I didn't mean because I, I wanted to add bit. on to that that thing you're you think saying you can fucking spoil history Glenn? that's true <laughs> fuck it i mean there's no that's true they fucking bombed hiroshima in 1945 <laughs> Spoiler for but no i was just gonna say like the final shot of the movie like that'll so stick powerful. in my mind you know like not only killian's face with that dialogue but then just that image of the world just like kind of burning yeah, like yeah. that fuck man fuck. like i i but, can't get um, over that i can't get over that final line that sticks in my mind where it's just like you know yeah destroying the world i believe we did and then he just closes his eyes and the movie ends oh i i could not imagine being him like after that bomb killed like all of those people yeah like, you my really creation you really just added feel to, for like, him. genocide what I love about the last hour of the movie is that it reinforces the fact that, okay, he was the genius who fucking, he brought an end to World War II, basically. He brought a full fucking stop to it. 
but he was dismissed by like any fucking suit that yeah. just wanted him to serve their needs. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he, he gave these fucking assholes the power to destroy the world, like that was so felt in that last hour. Yeah, I just can't like, I can't get over how oh, much I can't get like the... corruption and bullshit there was with all of this. Like it's so upsetting, like yeah. that they did this to this guy. <laughs> like I think my favorite scene in the movie was the scene the, the scene where he's given the speech in that like small hall. Yes, that was mm. fucking. And then he's oh seen yeah. visions of like the everyone just like fucking melting. What? Like in theaters, yeah. that was painful of, for like, my the... ears as well. But it's like, oh man, like I f- I'm feeling it. And to me, to me, the most effective part about that wasn't even the visuals, like of the woman's face, like all fucked up. It was the uh, it was the sound, like the fact yeah. that like. Because it was kind of like all these cheering people, and then suddenly their voices are oh, just like silenced, just as if the bomb was dropped on them. Like all those voices screaming were silenced. Like- and that scene was built up to so well. Like there's like the constant motif of like the the stomping feet. Like that's playing like a lot in the like the first two hours or so. Like that pops up at times. Like you even see a few shots of it. But when the actual scene happens, like that whole scene is so fucking disturbing. Like, this is probably the first horror film that Christopher Nolan's made, <laughs> because it is... That last hour is terrifying. That's true. It is. Yeah. It's terrifying, That's and it's, true. you know, it's prescient as well, because we can still... We still have the power to fucking destroy the world. Mm-hmm. Only more countries fucking... do now, too. We're not the only ones with nuclear yeah. weapons now, which is... Yeah, it's terrifying you know what someone will watch oppenheimer and be like hey i can i can make that chain reaction happen let's fucking do it <laughs> no yeah some men <laughs> just want to watch the world burn how to bring in the ties back to the joke <laughs> why, why the hell not yeah it's fitting <laughs> yeah yeah i but the, the, the whole the whole los alamos thing was so fucking it was so interesting as well like how they fucking like obviously there's some things that are left out of the film like how they like built a small town basically yeah yeah that was cool i guess kind of the upsetting thing about it is like in real life they kind of forced like a a bunch of mexican tribesmen out of that area or something Mm. like that i think i remember reading that when i was a bit younger but yeah you know everything else like it that that didn't have to be in there that's not what the movie is about ultimately like i saw some people complaining that they didn't show the nuke going off in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. You don't which, need to see that. No, though. you don't you need to see about. that. You don't need to see yeah. that. The, the Trinity test alone is like, you know, that's enough. You know the scale of well, even the, the way power of the that. way that you start to hear about like what actually happened. Like it's it's something that doesn't need to be shown. It was just you you hear that the character hears about it, and then yeah, like his like trauma from there is like just unreal. Yeah. Like Speaking of really... the, the Trinity test. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you I was just about to say that was probably my favorite part of the movie. I mean, I know it's a basic answer for like my favorite part of the movie, but it was built up so well. It's one of the best scenes of Nolan's career. Yeah. Probably. It is so fucking effective and like the build up to it, it takes its time. Mm-hmm. It take I think the scene takes like ten minutes before the actual nuke goes off. Yeah. And it's so fucking tense. The sound design is superb. All the acting is fucking great. Like, I love when, like, they're laying on the fucking beds or whatever. And, like, with Jack Quaid in his car and yeah. like, the guy's offering him glasses and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, the screen will fucking protect me from UV rays. Yeah. I fully thought that was going to be, like, a thing where, like, the fucking glass shattered and fucking killed him or something. I thought so, too. I thought that was going to happen. 
I that scene it really is built up so well though just seeing it from all the different characters perspectives and then just how it's like silent when it goes off and then you're just kind of like in awe of like the visuals and then just that fucking like shock of just like when they get hit with the aftermath of it i i was holding my bladder for like that whole 10 minutes of that build up because and i really had to go to the bathroom but i knew that it was building to that and i was like i don't care if it hurts this is gonna be the best fucking part of the movie <laughs> And it was for me. I, I only felt that after the scene. And I was like, okay, the movie is probably about to end soon. I, I thought it was like went by faster than it did. And then there's like another fucking 45 minutes or so. And I was like, I was kind of like, when's it going to end? Just because I needed to piss so badly. Same. But <laughs> yeah, I have a but everything. Badly, yeah. But I, I've, I've no complaints about anything in the movie, really. I think it's. Like, I would not fault anyone for saying that it's Christopher Nolan's best film. It's just one of his most masterful, like, one of his most, like, best storytelling, best acted. Uh, I don't know. It ties man. together, like, everything that he's ever done in his career, I think. It ties in, like, all the, you know, all the fucking time stuff, at all, like, all the chaos stuff. Big ensemble cast. In, like, professionals and stuff. And apparently, you guys know the fucking... Christopher Nolan's other brother that isn't Jonathan, he was a hitman. You know that, right? Eh? What? What? Christopher Nolan has a brother who was like a professional hitman. What the fuck? What are you and his code Yeah, his code name was Oppenheimer. What? <laughs> what do you mean a professional hitman? I know Jonathan he was Nolan writes some of his movies with him. Uh, Christopher Nolan's other brother is a hitman. He has like two brothers, Jonathan and Oppenheimer. <laughs> That's not a joke. His brother is like an actual hitman. <laughs> Where'd you hear I, I think this? he's. I've known it for years. Like it's it's common knowledge. Apparently not. I'm just I've first time hearing about that. that. I'm yeah. literally looking it up right now. Is Christopher Nolan's brother suspected hitman called Oppenheimer? Christopher Nolan has or Christopher Nolan's brother's unusual occupation. Like he's <laughs> like he's like it's a quirky occupation or something. He owns a chocolate factory. <laughs> Dude, that's scary, man. <laughs> That's right. that's some but, weird ass like that. I'm not. I'm gonna look at this movie kind of differently now. Like <laughs> he made a movie about Oppenheimer, but there is like others. a personal aspect to it if yeah. that is true. And for 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 half of it being such an intimate movie, it also feels like his biggest scale movie. And it is probably because it's about one of the tipping points in history, basically. You know, the creation of the nuclear bomb. And the way he fucking... I'm so interested to see how he created the fucking nuke. Because that looked fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, another thing I loved about the film was, like, the, the visual interludes of, like, fire and, like, sparks yeah. and electricity and yeah. stuff like that. I love those interludes. It looked really cool. Yeah. And we should probably talk a bit about the, the actual trial scenes. Because those are the hook of, like, most of the movie. Like, it goes back and forth between the trial to see whether or not Oppenheimer was a commie fuck... And also, <laughs> and also the trial with Robert Downey Jr., which leads to like a fucking infuriating climax. And then Rami Malek comes out with the bombshell thing of like, no, he's been trying to fucking, you know, besmirch Oppenheimer's name for years. And then becomes like a huge ordeal and it just comes yeah, out that that's true. he was trying to fucking, you know, prey on him because he was a Jewish communist. I mean, that's an oversimplification of it all because it is so fucking huge. Like, I'm sure there's, like, huge gaps of the movie that I don't remember because of how long it is and how much you have to take in. Like, I will be seeing this again soon, hopefully in 70mm. Mm. 
I cannot sing his praises enough. You mentioned the scene where he says, I am become death, the story of worlds, the, the first time he says it in the movie. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, basically, him and Florence Pugh are fucking, and then she just gets up and looks at his books and then takes a book and places it in front of her, and he reads, Now I am become death, destroyer of worlds, while he's going inside her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's, I'm not going to lie, that kind of took away the power of that... Um, that quote to, for me i was expecting that quote to be like at the end of the movie i didn't expect him to say it in that situation like that early on so i was like oh okay yeah i don't know uh amazing movie by nolan 10 out of 10 i'm just giving it a, it's a, it's a 10 i'm probably giving a it a 10 yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's a 10 it's one of nolan's best films it's probably his masterpiece yeah Hell yeah, it's probably one agree. of the best movies he's ever done. All right, well, finally done talking about that. So we're going to get into our rankings of these 12 movies. All right, so my number 12, Insomnia. Mm-hmm. It's just my least favorite. Uh, so my number 12 is Tenet. <laughs> to no one's surprise. Fair enough. Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, my number 12 is Insomnia as well. My number 11 is Tenet. So I still love it. But it is very flawed in some ways. So, yeah. My number 11 is Insomnia. Mm. Uh, my number 11 is Following. Number 10. My number 10 is Dunkirk. I I like it a lot, but I need to rewatch it. I just, I need to. So, 10 Dunkirk. My number 10 is Following. Good, de- good debut, but, you know, kind of boring. My number 10 is Batman Begins. Mm, it's a, no it's a good one, but oh. it's it's definitely not among my favorite, but I do like yeah. it. My number nine is Following, so I really love it, but yeah, he went on to do be- bigger and better things for sure. My number nine is Interstellar. Uh, my number nine is Dunkirk. My number eight is Batman Begins. Uh, I love it still. I mean, I love all these movies, but yeah, it's just, you know, not. it's in the middle. My number eight is The Dark Knight Rises. It's good. It's really good, but it's not perfect. My number eight is Tenet. I really like Tenet quite a lot. Everything from nine to one is a ten out of ten for me, so whatever. Uh, my number seven is Dark Knight Rises, so right behind Batman Begins. Yeah, it's great, just not one of his best. And my number seven is Batman Begins. They're pretty <laughs> much neck and neck, honestly. I love them both. I'm gonna be hated. Yeah. <laughs> my my, oh, my number you? seven is The Dark Knight. <laughs> Whoa! What? That's fine. I love it. It's a ten. I fucking love it. But among the rest, it's it's number seven for now. Oh, my number six, smack dab in the middle, is Interstellar, mm. which I need to rewatch. It was close to making the top five. It was close. My number six is Memento. Ooh, mm. great movie. I need to rewatch it, <laughs> but it's number six for now. My number six is The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Oh, the Dark Knight Rises above the Dark Knight. Yeah, I've always preferred it. I'm okay, sorry, I, I just always have. Yeah, that's fine. I, I hate you. No, I hate it's you fine. It's just, I, hate I mean, you it's a hot take. But I know it's a hot I take, mean, but yeah, I just love it. Yeah. So. Uh, my number five is Oppenheimer. So it did make it into the top five. Wow. Just barely. Hell yeah. So hell yeah. It's a great movie. My number five is Dunkirk. I love Dunkirk. My number five is Memento. Very fucking mm. amazing okay. movie. Love it. Uh, my number four is The Prestige. Yeah, amazing movie. Perfect. Almost top three. Almost. My number four is also The Prestige. My number four is Interstellar. Masterpiece to me. 
and it means a lot to me so yeah my number three is memento it's just one of the best revenge mysteries out there 10 out of 10 of course okay my number three is oppenheimer oh i I can't stop thinking about it (laughs) nice cannot stop thinking about it it is brilliant it is Mm -hmm. my number three is also oppenheimer um Ooh, let's go yeah it just did something to me and i fucking loved it i I didn't expect it to be top three (laughs) but it is my number two is inception I really would like to have it be my number one because it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top 20 of all time, but yeah, it's just number two. It's fantastic. My number two is The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> uh, my number two is Inception. Inception's fucking amazing. Nice. My number one is The Dark Knight. It was one of my. It was my favorite movie for for a lot of my life and in my heart it is still my favorite movie mm-hmm. in a way yeah my, my my number one is fucking inception it's a masterpiece it's nolan's best in my opinion so emotionally intelligent so smartly written edited it's great i love it love it to death my nice. number one is the prestige maybe always will be i don't know it's there's just something about that movie cool love it prestige rules <laughs> It's great that we all have three different favorites. Yeah, I like that. I like that, too. So let's get into listener questions. (laughs) For this one, you should drop a nuke in in between the the fucking Modern Warfare 2 tactical nuke inbound fucking sound. (laughs) Tactical nuke inbound. Listener questions. We'll start with old child support (laughs) underscore. Why did Nolan blow people up? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't he know. he fell asleep during the movie, so I don't think he watched it. Okay, moving on to Film Forager. Referring to Insomnia, without spoilers, what are some other actors who normally act in one genre but surprised you when they stepped into another genre? Adam Sandler, I guess, with Punch Drunk That's Club, what I was going to say. Yeah. Another one, which you would probably agree with, uh, Liam. Brawl and Cell Block 99, Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah. Is that? Uh, oh, he rocked. He was that. fucking yeah, great, was great in that. that. Yeah. Like me and Liam watched it together, but it was it was it was kind of tough getting over him as like a big tough guy yeah. at first. But he was he was great after that. Mm-hmm. I, Jim Carrey for like yeah. Eternal Sunshine or what? I don't know what yeah. his first dramatic role would have been. I mean, shit. Look, going from like Dumb and Dumber to like seeing him in Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind is pretty jarring. So. Uh, you ever seen the number twenty three? Yeah. Oh, I still have to see that. <laughs> no, you don't. I actually, <laughs> no, still you have don't. To see that. Oh, is it is it bad? It's really bad. Damn. It's dog shit. (laughs) It's a bad movie, but it's like kind of fun sometimes. I don't know why this one popped into mind, and it's not like I've seen him in a ton of other things, but George C. Scott and Doctor Strangelove. Dude, he's hilarious in that movie. And he's unintentionally hilarious. Like, he tried to play it straight, but Kubrick is like, nah, man, it's gotta be funny, so he, like, did two takes or whatever. (laughs) It's fucking great. Kubrick made him Um, do so many different takes that he just, like, lost his mind and went so crazy, like, goofy. That he just kept the goofiest take, it was it's perfect. Fucking Scarlett Johansson in Under the Under the Skin, because mm. I consider that a horror movie, and I don't think she's ever done a horror movie, and I think she's fucking amazing mm. in it. Yeah, you like can she doesn't that. do a, a whole lot, but she, I think she's fucking phenomenal in it. Moving on to Film Mania Seven, all of the supporting cast were phenomenal, and he's referring to Oppenheimer. Who's your favorite? Out of uh, RDJ and Blunt, Downey Jr. Yeah, RDJ. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Emily Blunt was RDJ good, but she also. doesn't. She isn't in it as much as he is. I don't think. 
RDJ said that this was the best movie he's ever been in. Do you agree <laughs> with that? I think so. I mean, in terms of Maybe his acting, it's the best I thing think... I've seen, yeah. I don't think it's the best movie he's been in. Mm. But that's a very personal thing. I I think I I'm a big fan of Natural Born Killers. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't he, on I, I, He's fucking hysterical in it. Tropic Thunder too. I was about to say Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. It might have to be Tropic Thunder. That's my favorite of his. Yeah. But Oppenheimer, <laughs> like in terms of a dramatic performance, it's probably his best. Moving on to movies that don't suck. Do you guys think that Nolan should go back to sci-fi and action films like Dark Knight and Inception? No, he just did one. That's true. He kind of just did one right before Oppenheimer. He should just do whatever he wants. So I think, like whatever he's feeling, he shouldn't pigeonhole himself. Like he's tried. He's. I think he's just consciously tried to get out of it, with like Dunkirk and Oppenheimer and that. And mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to be stuck in like you know big budget like fucking fuck off action movies like fucking Inception, The Dark Knight. So hopefully he continues to branch out. So I want to see him continue doing like creative stuff like i know this was a historical biopic but like tenet despite all of its flaws was super creative it was original like and that was basically that was like kind of like a bond movie but just nuts Mm -hmm. you know that's the best thing i can say about tenet it was original and creative but i i want to see him like do more per like really like because this was a straight up like character study and like uh, um i would love to see him do more of that like i want him to really like do more emotionally grounded like character driven movies like Oppenheimer was. I'd like him to I'd like to see him do a horror movie. Same. It'd be interesting. <laughs> Same. He'd probably like awesome. revive my faith in that genre, honestly. <laughs> Moving on, last question to All Right So Reviews. Has Nolan peaked in his career? No. No. You think that he can top even all of these? Yeah, I think he's like he's still going strong like the fact that Oppenheimer can make it into my top three like after so many amazing and unique films like that's impressive I believe that he can like outdo himself in the future that's true like like currently I wouldn't call him one of my favorite directors but he's always going to be a director that I'm excited to see a movie from Mm -hmm. much like Shyamalan like you said it's a cultural event whenever a new one comes out (laughs) it is I, I used to always think that he did peak with The Dark Knight and Inception, like that between those two years, I thought like Nolan's never going to reach that mark again. And to be fair, I don't think any movies are ever going to overtake those two for me. But no, he's still making quality freaking movies. And that's that's what matters. Mm-hmm. What Whatever about me not liking Tenet or Interstellar that much. The weakest things about those to me is the writing. Everything else is like he's on his A game. He's always trying to do something new and he's always trying to push the boundaries of what can be done with film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good closing remark. Closing, uh, you can find me at Views by Quinn on all the social medias, Letterboxd, Instagram. Just check the link tree in the description of the episode or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, you can find me at Movies Music Me on everything. There's a link tree in the description. You can find my YouTube, Instagram, Serialized, Music Board, Twitch, whatever, threads, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Yeah, man. If you, if you, if you check out my link tree in the bio, Only Shallow, you can check out my letterbox where you can see the movies I'm watching. You can check out my music board where you can check out the music I'm listening to, my Serialized, the TV shows I'm watching, and fucking Spotify. <laughs> You gotta, you're going to want to check out that Spotify. It's real good. <laughs> nice. I was thinking with this one, you could do a peace out bitches in Bane's voice. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> we didn't do it. Yeah. 
but I can't yell it in Bane's voice. I have to just say That's it. I can't fine. yell anything yeah. in Bane's voice. It, it just won't work. Try to do try to do it yelling as Bane, and then just try to do it normally. I can't. I can't yell it as Bane. But you know, I'll you're try. just giving me more to edit, Keelan. Yeah, I don't want to give him more to <laughs> sorry, edit. Sorry. No, I can't yell it in Bane's voice. I'd say. Peace, peace out, bitches. <laughs> I. <laughs> nice. That was beautiful. Thank you.